lock it in and rip the knob off. You're tuned in to the number one show on the planet. The Heffron and Reap Show. You enjoy the Heffron and Reap podcast. Now go and see them live. It's really super awesome. And here's the reason why. You've seen them on TV. And even in the movies. Yeah, they really are so good. They can even afford this song. Check out the tour dates at Heffron and Hey everybody, it's John Heffron. Hope you're doing well. I'm uh, I'm sitting here and I use one of those red, uh, those laser lights. Uh, and my dogs went crazy. And now the red laser light I've put away. And yet the dogs are still waiting for the red laser light. So I don't know if I permanently scarred my dogs. I don't know if the red light is fun or if it makes them just kind of like crazy, like they want to see it again. Probably like if you were jogging and while you're running and you look through a window and you saw uh, boobs, then you'd probably run every day hoping you might look through that window and see boobs again. I might have just did that to my dogs. Anyway... Uh, John Reap has a great podcast uh, for you today. I wasn't there when he uh, recorded, but he had a uh, a great guest who, who is the um, voice uh, of the Jay Leno show. He's also been on a bunch of cartoons, and he's done a lot of cool stuff. I've listened to the podcast. It's super funny. Uh, John Reap will introduce uh, Wally uh, Winger. But before that get going, before that get going, before that gets going, Let's do some of our dates really quick, shall we? Uh, I'm going to be rude. I'm going to start with me. Uh, January 24, 2026. 20, 20, Jesus, Heffron, learn to speak. I'll be at Erie, Pennsylvania at Juniors. Feb 2nd, I'll be at Charlotte at the Knights Theater. Feb 5th, I am in Lake Norman at the Comedy Zone there in North Carolina. Then the next day, I'll be in Augusta, Georgia. Then February 14th through the 17th, if I read my handwriting correctly, I will be at the Toledo Funny Bone. Then Feb 25th through three days later, I will be in Washington, D.C. at the Improv. And then I end February at the uh, Pittsburgh Improv. And right now, I'll tell you where Mr. Reap is at. Mr. Reap, uh, this week, the 25th through the 26th, he is in Jacksonville, Florida at the Comedy Zone. And if you think I'm reading this off of his website, which is johnreap.com, you would be 100% correct. Then the next week, Reap's home for a day. Then he gets back on an airplane. The 7th through the 9th, he will be in Tampa, Florida at Side Splitters. And then on February 15th, he'll be at the Holly Springs, North Carolina. Then on the 16th, he'll be at Newton, North Carolina. And all those North Carolina shows are really important to him because that's where he's from. So if you're in that area, just uh, show up and go, Hey, John, we heard John Heffern mumbling telling us to come. On the 2nd, he will be at uh, Cartersville, Georgia at the Grand theater listen you can get all the dates if you go to heffernreap.com click on the shows all of our dates are, are there with these podcasts because we don't know when you're listening uh we have to kind of bunch of dates by the way i'm at johnreap.com's uh, new site and it's uh, really good you guys should check it out the heffern and reap show will be right back it's the heffern and reap bonus show this is the place where the guys upload bonus shows while they're on the road. Sometimes it's just John. Other times it's John and John. Huh? Either way, it's all good. <laughs> 
I saying? Oh, yeah, let me just start over. Um, yes, thank you for listening to another awesome episode of the Heffern and Reap Show. I'm 50% of the Heffern and Reap Show. I'm the John Reap part. Uh, we're going without Heffern on this one. This is a bonus show, so uh, sorry, ladies. No Heffern on this one. We're, I'm all by myself. John Solo, as I like to say. And uh, actually, I'm not solo. I, I take that back. I have a guest. And uh, actually, he's my neighbor. Uh, lives about six doors down. Hello, neighbor. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen. Please welcome Mr. Wally Wingard. How's it going, Wally? Hello. How are you, John? Nice to have you here in Planet Wallywood. Please enjoy yourself. Make yourself at home and enjoy the large couch. I have snacks, candy, water, soda, anything you might desire. We have several canisters down below the sofa here. Yes, with, uh, I noticed. This place uh, is, I've been here before, but it's been a while. Yes. Um, I love your place. Oh, thanks. This is a, it's not just a condo, it is a museum of <laughs> awesomeness. I mean, I'm looking at Spider-Man, Elvis, uh, Michael Myers, Beetlejuice, uh, Andy Kaufman's character from, what movie was that one right Heart there? Heartbeeps. Heartbeeps, that's yes. right. And then you've got Darth Vader's everywhere. I'm telling you, this is like, it's like, I don't know, like Halloween mixed with Comic-Con uh, all at once. Mixed with a five-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> well, ladies what you, and gentlemen, what you might not know is, well, I've known Wally for how long now? Let's see, how long have you lived in the complex? I'd say about seven years, Probably maybe. seven years then. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I met you... Right around the, when I first got here, I right. guess, because when I first moved in here, it's before my wife got here, right? And uh, she wasn't quite here yet, and I didn't have anything in my my condo, uh, including blinds for this big window right, right. here. <laughs> so you know, I'd yeah. be sitting in my living room watching TV, and I could see you standing out there. With stalking you. <laughs> well, it's weird because that light comes on. We have a motion. Yeah. We have like a motion sensor light out there in that little courtyard. Right, 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 yeah, yeah. And so I'll just be sitting out there, and all of a sudden a light pops on, and then I see this guy with like long hair. The of a long hair. <laughs> Goatee. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, who is that? Uh, but we met, and uh, Wally is the coolest guy. He does tons of voiceovers in the biz and tons of like – uh, commercials, movies, uh, TV shows. Uh, currently, you uh, you probably, if you listen to the, if you watch the Tonight Show with Jay Leno, you hear him at the start of every show. Go ahead and give me some of that, Wally. It's the Tonight Show with Jay Leno, featuring Ricky Minor and the Tonight Show band. See? Yeah. That's my neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm jealous because uh, I've not been on the Tonight Show yet. I've been trying. And, uh, well, John Heffern's actually laughing at this because he's been on, I think, several times. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, he's better than me. <laughs> and, uh, no, just have, have him pull a favor for you. Have him, you know, talk to the powers that be. Uh, well, you know. but see, this guy right here, he's uh, every day he gets to go to the Tonight Show. That's great. And it's not that far from here, right? It's like right it's down not, the road. Uh, NBC's only about uh, four or five miles from our house. So uh, so what are your hours? What, what time you go there? And uh, My regular hours are 3.30. We tape at 4. I have to be there a half an hour before to run through the intro and look at the graphics and get, kind of get the timing of how the words come up. Uh, we run it through once, maybe twice, if I'm sucking pretty badly that day. <laughs> and then we do it live to tape at 4 o'clock. The gotcha. audience is there. Jay's ready to go on. The band's playing, and I do the intro live. Nice. Live, live, which is awesome. Nothing like live, quote-unquote, live right. television to hear that 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 countdown. And you're the first thing. First thing. Uh, the first thing you hear, yeah. Well, the, actually, the first thing Maybe you the hear music. is the drum. Right. It goes... And then, yeah. Yeah. But it's I'm the first voice you hear. And uh, I'm also on call... I have a studio here at home. I can email stuff in. The writers will write bits for the monologue or fake commercials, fake newscasts, right. 
fake. I mean, I've done everything from the voice of Yogi Bear to Scooby Doo to fake newscasters to right. lip syncing um, women screaming. It's bizarre. Yes. Uh, talking dogs. You just never know what those nutty writers are going to come up with because they're insanely creative. So what they will either do is have me record it here at home in my home studio, email it to them, and they can plug it in. It'll be on the show that night. Or I have to actually go down there to do ADR, which is called additional dialogue recording. Right. Uh, I just so, did some of that the other day. Oh, you did for yes. your film? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I actually broke a chair. I went in there and uh, uh, had, a, had to wait for a little while. So they had like a little waiting room. This is at Warner Brothers. Uh-huh. And I'm just sitting in this chair. Is that one of those chairs that have a low back, and it's perfect for popping your back? Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, cool. So I just sat in this chair. I was there five seconds, and I leaned back to pop my back. I broke it, fell through it, oh, and scratched the crap out of my sides. I am not going to have you sit on any <laughs> chairs around here. So. Yeah, but I did the ADR. I didn't, I, for a long time, I didn't even know what that stood for. I'm glad you cleared that up. Yeah. Additional dialogue replacement? Yeah, or recording. Recording, um, okay. It's, it stands for, I've heard it stand for a couple, like two or three different things. But right. I think additional dialogue recording is the basic uh, gist of what it is. Yeah. Uh, basically what it is is if you want to remove the audio of some piece of video, you have to do ADR, have the person come in. For example, if you're working on a set as an on-camera actor like, like you do, I don't do on-camera, but you are on a set and, uh, for example, uh, a siren, you're, you're on location. Right. And a siren happens to go by. Yeah. Uh, but they don't want to ruin the take. they got a really good take. Right. So <laughs> don't pay no attention. Hey, Roxy. My dog, dog, Roxy. Uh, Wally has so a beautiful, uh, um, well, I forget what kind of. Collie. Collie, yes. yes. Beautiful collie and a nice little uh, uh, kitty She's cat. puzzled as to why the cat can be down there, and, uh, <laughs> but she can't because she's bigger and I have, I have a gate. <laughs> so she's uh, kind of confused. I'll take pictures that. if you don't mind. I'd like to oh, take some fine, photos because sure. yeah, this, yeah. Pla- like I said, it's a museum. We'll take pictures of the dog, the cat, and all your cool statues. Oh. I think she really does want to come down she here. She really does want to come down here. There's <laughs> too much equipment here. She's kind of like Marmaduke. She's a little clumsy. You don't want none of this. It's, it's coffee. You can't have coffee. Go lay down. Go lay down. It's fine. She, she'll just be my little uh, sidekick little over here. Sidekick, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She, uh, oh, Spook is sniffing your bag. That, well, that's my hat. There's a lot oh, of sweat, sweat in there. Roxy, go lay and down. shoes. Oh, boy, it's like having kids. You t- I like I like your no sh- your no shoes policy by the way. Yeah, well I I, just, I picked that up in uh, in Hawaii when I was there. Everyone in Hawaii does that. Right, and Japan. And Japan, yeah, yes. Yeah, it, it keeps the carpets a little cleaner. Um, and with animals and uh, a lot of traffic, we have a Saturday night movie night over here every week. And uh, everybody, of course, takes their shoes off. It just with the amount oh, of yeah. traffic that we have here, it's it's best. And I just had the oh, she's having a drink, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which is what I'm going to be doing here very soon. Uh, it just keeps the uh, carpets a little cleaner. I had the carpets completely clean just uh, yeah. right around the New Year, so it's, yeah, you uh, have white carpet, and that's that's a hard one to keep clean. Yeah, it's a, it's in uh, the this is the original carpet when I bought the place twelve years really? ago. Really, I don't know how. No kidding, I don't know how long the lady had it even before me. But I moved in. I said, well, I don't need to replace the carpet. It looks good. Not knowing that, you know, it could have been four or five years yeah. old when I got it. But it's very hard to keep clean, especially with animals. Right. And uh, But I have so much stuff that if I recarpeted this place, I would. Oh, it would take, yeah, it would be a big, big hassle. Huge, huge job. So we were talking about the ADR there. You're right. Oh, so when the siren yes. goes off and then it's like, well, you got to replace that. You, you don't want that in the in the film. Or the... Ex- exactly. So you'll have the actor come back in and basically they call it looping. Because right. in the old days before digital, they used to actually have the film on a loop. And you would go in and. Get three beeps, beep, 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 and then right, yeah, on the on the imaginary fourth beep, that's when you that's when you say the yeah. line, yeah. So uh, what they'll do, uh, you'll and, email something to them, and you'll, uh, unless you have to go there and do the yeah. ADR. If it's if uh, the the bit isn't uh, involving an on camera person that I need to quote unquote loop, 
Uh, I can just email it from here, and they can they can plug it in. Right. But if I actually have to loop a newscaster, what they'll do for comedic value is they'll take a news story, and they'll have the on-camera newsman from any city in the world. They they monitor news newscasts from all sorts. Oh, of yeah, I've seen this bit. Cities and big towns, and yeah. I mean Los Angeles, right. all the way down to Poughkeepsie, all the way down <laughs> yeah. to Bath, South Dakota. You just never know. So if it's an interesting story, they can do a bit around. They'll they'll do it. So you'll see the cameraman or you'll see the guy on camera to establish for about three or four seconds that it's him doing the story. And once they cut away to video, they can make the voice say anything. Once they've established right. that that's the newscaster's yeah. voice, they can make him say anything off camera in voice. And over. are you trying to sound like that guy, or no. do you just do him? You're him the whole time. Sometimes it's not necessary, but I, I like to hear the reference voice before I go because they might have an interesting voice that I can lock into. Yeah. And I don't want every guy to sound like your typical newscaster voice, yeah. even though that they seem to like that. But I'm like, well, there's three or four writers there. So I tell, you know, John Melendez, well, John, uh, I, if I do this voice, it's going to sound a lot like a voice I just did for a bit for Rob or for Troy yeah. or for whomever. So can I change it up a little bit? So I, I like to keep them separate in my head. So if they all all three run during the monologue, I don't. It doesn't sound uh, yeah, like yeah, the same it's not guy. the same guy every time. So, uh, so you've got like a maybe like a handful of different yeah. newscasters. Sometimes type they guys. have a higher voice like this, and in today's news we have. And there's other guys who are very low, and there's other guys who kind of sound like that with a little puke <laughs> in their voice. We used to call it puking in the old days because it sounds like you're trying. <laughs> yeah, I like that one. Yeah, yeah, the puke. I can do that one pretty good. Yeah, that really? kind of sounds like. Uh, Dallas Rains. Right. Hey, Dallas Rains with the weather here. <laughs> yeah. We used to call that puking in the old days, and we thought it was really cool. Well, it does kind of sound like you're puking radio. a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like he's got lots of chunks in, yeah, in his puke. Yeah. Well, he's just trying to sound really good like Mr. Radio. Hi, this is Ronnie Radio reporting today on WHBQ. We have some Elvis Presley music for you today. I, mean, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. I would just sit here listening to that all day. Yeah, vocal acrobatics, <laughs> and these guys, what, what's really funny is, is some people like myself can do that as a character. Others sound like that all the time. Right. They think it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, that's cool. So, that's what time do you usually get done with your day then? If you if you if you're alive to tape at four. Yeah. And then you're at four. We're, we're out of there usually by about five fifteen, and then I'm you know by five thirty I'm done. Occasionally, because my time is limited during the afternoon, because this is my number one priority, the Tonight Show. If there's other jobs that I have to do, for example, I've been doing some old Navy commercials. I've been doing the Garfield cartoon and some other uh, responsibilities. Yes. Sometimes they will say, well, we'll pick him up after the Tonight Show if he can go to a studio. Uh, normally a studio called Mai Tai in Burbank right across the street from mm -hmm. NBC and down all of a little ways is, is really good. And they'll let me come in at about 530. We'll work till about 630 or 7. But that's pretty rare. Right. Um, but normally I try to pick up stuff earlier in the day. Okay. To where um, if we start at 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning, I'm not really a morning person. Hey, me either. Join yeah. the crowd, buddy. Yeah. But I'll be up. I'll be out at like 1 o'clock, and that will give me a couple hours to maybe do something for the night show and then, then be on the uh, set by 3.30. So it's uh, it's kind of a But that job over there, I mean, you're there 3.30, and you're out at 5.30. Yeah. Two hours. I have to get called in early to do a bit or something. Right, Sometimes right. they'll call me in about 1.15, 1.30. They do a rehearsal with Jay. He'll look at all the bits for the day and pick which ones are going to be on, which ones didn't make the cut. So they like to have the bits kind of done by 2 o'clock so he can kind of in rehearsal right. look at what ones that he wants to include in the monologue. How long have you been over there? 
working now? I started on the Jay Leno show, the primetime show, in September of 2009. Oh, the, 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 okay, so the yes. one after he got, he was let go, whatever, he left the Tonight the Show originally, show. Yeah, I started on and the then he went to the 10 o'clock show, right. which and is then, called the Jay Leno show. Correct. That was in September of 2009. Okay. And that lasted until March of 2010, and then he was given the Tonight Show back. And they just kept everything virtually the same. They scaled back a few things. Yeah. But they said, no, we, we'll just keep the voiceover guy as the announcer, and we won't. So for three it. years now, it's been sort of a, a main gig for you. Yeah, it, it'll be three years on The Tonight Show. It'll be three years this past September mm-hmm. working with Jay Leno, and it'll be three years on The Tonight Show this March. Everyone that I've ever met who's worked with Jay Leno said he is, like, a, a, one of the nicest, most genuine nicest guys that, that you could work with yeah like he's, he's uh just terrific it, it floors me that uh to see somebody that's just as insanely popular and well-known and wealthy as him <laughs> he yeah. can just be such a nice down-to-earth guy that would just help anybody yeah um there was a story that my friend mark Evanier tells who uh produces and writes the and directs the garfield cartoon that i'm on we just finished season four. We're waiting for a season five pickup. Where does that air? The Garfield one. Cartoon Network. The Cartoon Network. But it, it's a cartoon that airs all over the world in, in different languages. Garfield's very popular all over the world. So Mark do you talks, also do those other languages? Uh, sometimes they'll play it in English and just subtitle it. Okay. But I don't do any of the other language. Right. Uh, they will get the cartoon in uh, Saudi Arabia, for example. Uh-huh. But they will loop it. Right. Uh, in and we've Arabia. learned what that is, yes, people. we've learned what that is today. <laughs> so, you know, can you say looping? Sure. Yeah, looping. I ADR. Can. ADR. ADR. What, now, what is that? Dialogue recording. That's right. Sure. Did you know that? I, I'm not good at uh, – uh, every voice I does it has this little southern thing to oh, it. <laughs> Even when I try the, the, the radio guy. Hi, you're listening to 102.5 Kiss FM. That's pretty good, though. I didn't detect any accent in that at all. Not too bad, right? Not too bad at all. In my mind, I kind of hear it, though, but you're saying it's okay. No, it doesn't, uh-huh. I, don't, nice. I don't hear it at all. Maybe it's I've been out here long enough now. It kind of, you know, if I'm yeah. around, if I'm around LA long enough, it can sure. kind of. Now, can, when you go back home, do you pick that up again? And you yeah. come back from, yeah, yeah, especially if I'm hanging out with you know the folks and my friends for a long time. Yep. If I'm there longer than three days and I've had maybe a beer or two, yeah, then it definitely comes right. I was back. in Tennessee. I uh, went to Graceland. And, nice. And I I've been back. twice. Oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Earth-shattering, life What was your one of your favorite parts about You're a big Elvis fan, obviously. Elvis fan. Yeah, There's yeah. a big Elvis I, right I, to your left. I have a six-foot-two robot Elvis Presley in my living room. Uh, no, I've never heard of the man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what about Beatles? You know what I find is people like they either love the Beatles and hate Elvis or they love Elvis and hate the Beatles. I mean, there are people who like yeah. both. I think most people do. Yeah. But you, I've met those people who like, like, ah, I was a Beatles guy. I never liked Elvis. Yeah, that's odd. It's weird to me. they're not really even in the same ballpark, really. It's right. Kind of, Didn't the Beatles know. kind of come towards the end of Elvis's career or right in the middle of it? Or I, I can't well, remember. I, yeah, I wasn't El- around uh, The Beatles came in the early 60s is when they really started having some traction over uh, in the U.K., and Elvis in the early 60s, of course, he had just come back, I think, from uh, from Germany, being in the service in 59. Okay, right. So he was eh, not really doing concerts so much. He was doing uh, movies. When did he hit big, though? What was his? What, 56 was his first really 50, big year. Okay, so yeah. he had three years head start. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, the Beatles always said that they got into music because of Elvis. Well, there you go. John All Lennon those people he's, right, he's who saying, hate Elvis, right? you can thank him you for can, the Beatles. Oh, John Lennon has said, before Elvis, there was nothing. Nice. Yeah. Take that. So Lennon says. Hipsters. He was, yeah, hipsters. You tragically hip <laughs> people, you. Lennon says he was sitting in a movie theater watching an Elvis movie, and every time Elvis would come on the screen, the girls around him would scream. 
Oh, wow. And yeah. he's thinking to himself, oh, this looks like a good job. <laughs> <laughs> How do I do that job? I think I'd like to do this job. I want to get screamed at right. by, by Danes as well. <laughs> That's very good. Not bad, right? Well, I'm just I'm mimicking you, though. Yeah. Are like, you yeah, because me imitating John Lennon. Yeah, that's what oh, I was. I, I imagine oh. they all kind of go like this. The bad imitation police. Oh, that's are right. Overhead. We have a. <laughs> yeah, we have a helicopter that roams uh, because Studio City is safe. Right. We have t- <laughs> we have uh, a helicopter police that fly over. And do you know why they fly over this area? Yeah, because uh, one of our neighbors, it's his uh, her, her son. Yeah, her son. Right. One of the yes. So I, I I like that and I don't like that. Yeah. I like it. I like it mostly. Yeah, I like it that it keeps the riffraff away. Yeah, because yeah. Because if uh, we have regular flyovers. Random chicks. Yeah, random, yeah. yeah exactly. It's kind of scary, though, because I was out in the courtyard once by myself with the dog, and all of a sudden I heard the, uh, the helicopter, and boom, the light hit. Oh, really? Yeah. On you? Well, in the courtyard. And it oh. was like looking. I was like, whoa. Like, I was nervous. Like, Were you look in the at... spotlight? No, I didn't actually oh. make it in because I, I kind of like looked up and kind of went back inside. But um, it oh. looked like they were looking for someone. But to get it, he could have been just checking He might his have mom. been looking for his mom because yeah. she's out with the dog quite a bit. So right. So he might have seen a figure down there. And yeah, that's like a little extra security. And you have a very svelte girlish figure, so he might have mistaken <laughs> you for his. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, uh, anyway, oh, Mark Evanier was talking about Jay. And he said he was in Las Vegas. Right. And it was about 115 out, and a guy's cab decides to die and starts smoldering in the desert heat. So Mark and a couple of the guys run out there, and they pop open the hood. And uh, one of the guys says, yeah, you need uh, part number 4692A, so call your dispatch and have them send that over, and I'll put it in for you. Wow. And Mark looks closer, and it's Jay Leno. That's hilarious. And Mark's thinking, isn't that Jay Leno? And he looks up at the marquee, and it says, tonight only, Jay Leno. <laughs> so he's in Vegas. What are the odds? What are the odds? So uh, what a guy. Big car guy, obviously. Car guy. He's got a whole Big garage. Of... I've been to his garage. It's oh, not, you have? It's not a garage. No, it's, it's calling more... it a garage. Is, is... It's like a, air, a blimp hanger or something. It, it, it's, an air, it's several airplane hangers, and it's <laughs> unbelievable. It's, like a, it's really like a car museum. Yeah. You can eat off the floors. Super clean, all kinds of artwork displayed. It's, it's Does really he get in there and tinker with them and stuff? All the time. Yeah. As a matter of fact, when Adam Carolla was on the show, he was talking about how when he was over there, uh, they brought in some car that needed some sort of repair, and Jay like slid under there and started doing the repairs. Meanwhile, his seven mechanics that he has on uh-huh. full-time retainer are just standing around eating donuts, watching him. Wow, that must be the best day. job ever if you're a mechanic. <laughs> hey, if the boss is there and he wants to tinker himself, you exactly. Him, you know? <laughs> so you've you've obviously hung out with Jay a, a, you know, a little bit working on the show. I mean, not, I mean not hang out, but yeah, probably. I run into him. But by the yeah. remember, by the time I get there, they're in full-on show mode, they're right? Because like they've been there uh, most been there all day. day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The time to really see him is during the earlier in the day when it's not so hectic. But by the time I get there at 3.30, they're rolling in show mode, and they've got show on their mind. So I don't Have really they ever do used you on camera for anything? They've used my hands and thighs. <laughs> because, right? because, again. I thought so. See, right. I watch all of them, and I yeah, think, yeah. that is Wally's thigh. Yeah, that's my that's thigh. That's got to be. That's, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, again, with the plane. Oh, my gosh. That was close to the Burbank too. Airport is, yeah. is such a drag. Um, they, yeah, they, they know that I'm not that interested in being on camera and there's plenty of other qualified people who are much better than me at being on camera. Well, I asked because I'm a aficionado of late night television. I watch all of them. Leno, Letterman, Kimmel. Wow. Uh, um, I like Fallon too. Jimmy Mm -hmm. Fallon's good. Um, but a lot of those guys, the voiceover guys end up on camera at some point. It seems like. Yeah. Especially Letterman's redheaded guy. Right. Uh, I forgot his name. Uh, Alan Coulter. 
Yeah. He's the voice of the, you know, right, he right. does what you do. Right, right. They, they show him sitting over there and he has random, he acts like he's pissed off all the time about something. Oh, you know? really? They end up using uh, him over there. So I didn't know if they ever had plans of that because I think it would be great. I mean, they got a gold mine sitting here. Well, <laughs> well thank you. When, they, when I first started on the Leno show, the primetime show, one of the writers, Rob Young, had asked if I do on camera. I said, well, here's my website. I've done some on camera stuff. My reel is up there. Yeah. Check it out. And then I never heard any more about it. I think they know basically that, well, when you're a long-haired guy with a goatee, <laughs> you're not really that, camera, so much really that camera ready. Well, uh, I mean, there's tons of things you could do with that, you know? You played like a, the rock, a rock band. Uh, right. Um, a short film, yeah. Well, not just that, but I, I think, it was, was it Just Shoot Me or something? You were. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I was a, yeah, <laughs> a club owner, some rock and roll yeah, club yeah. owner, yeah. Well, I mean, there's, there's other things they could do, but yeah. you're not interested is what you're saying. No, uh, not particularly. Okay. Um, I like being uh, anonymous and just working and making the money that I do doing what I do. And uh, the problem with on-camera stuff that, that I really, really have is. But at one time, you must have wanted to be on camera. I did. You well, did... that's why I moved out here. But to be on camera. Yeah, yeah, to right. be an actor. Right. And I realized, boy, this cartoon stuff sounds fun. I yeah. I'd like to – I've always loved that. Yeah, let's get into that. So you're from where originally? Sioux Falls, South Dakota. That's right. Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I actually did comedy there once, and your parents came right. to see me. Absolutely. You were very nice to yeah. have my folks there. They uh, were I super sweet. comps and uh, yeah. my mom a T-shirt or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so you – when did you move here, and why did you decide – this crazy life of, uh, you know, TV, film, voiceover. It was uh, 1987, and my girlfriend slash ex-wife at the time was pregnant with our second child. And I had had a really hard time turning my abilities and talents into a money-making um, uh, uh, thing sure. in South Dakota. Because right. really, basically, if, if you're a guy... Well, it's not the, the entertainment capital of the world. It's not the entertainment capital of the world, not by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, you could do lots of community theater for free, right? but but in the day, you'd have to go back to your insurance job or, or whatever. Exactly. But if you have the kind of interests and abilities that I had, there's really... It's not a money-making prospect at all, except radio. You can kind of be in radio and, you know, make... $20,000 a year, mm -hmm. probably at best at the time. As a DJ? As a DJ, yeah. yeah. And okay. do funny voices on the air and do funny bits, and then you make extra money by going to the bowling alley on the weekend and doing a, a dance mm -hmm. or doing an appearance. A remote a somewhere. A remote. Yeah, exactly. So it uh, it's not it wasn't a really good place to uh, with my abilities to fund uh, the family life. And when did you know, by the way, that you wanted to even do that? Living in South Carolina, as a kid, were you doing voices? Oh, when I was five. Oh, really? Yeah. I remember the day I was watching the Munsters and I saw Eddie Munster. Yes. And I said, hey, I'd like to be that guy. And they said, somebody told me, I think it was my dad, said, well, you know, he does that for a living. They give him money. And I'm like, <laughs> what? I do it for free. Yeah. They give him money. Oh, that's How do job. I do that? that? It's like Lennon in the Elvis movie. That looks like a good job. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But were you doing Eddie Munster as a five-year-old? No, I was doing uh, Adam West. Adam uh, Batman. I was dressing up, doing costumes, doing makeup. I was dressing up like Frankenstein's monster. I was dressing up in all these crazy makeup things and doing. Uh, I was I was pretty creative for a South Dakota kid. And then once my dad uh, brought home a tape recorder, uh -huh. and my world changed. Because you would just record yourself and listen all to it all the time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think he brought it home for him, but I kind of squirreled it away in, in my stuff. And it's it's odd that my dad. This is this is how life works. This is how funny life works. 
My dad's favorite show all the time was The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. He would never miss it. He was a traveling salesman, and no matter where he was on the road, in mm-hmm. whatever dingy hotel or motel he had to be in, life would stop at 1035 after the news, and he would turn on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, at least to watch the monologue. Yeah. And then maybe if the guest was good or whatever. But, you know, if not, then he'd at least That was his monologue. routine. That was his, that was uh, his routine. That was his solace. Yeah. That was his home away from home, even at my house. I understand that house. completely because yep, exactly. I travel all the time, yep. and that's one constant, you know. It's one constant, right. Yeah. So uh, how how odd is it he won some sort of sales contest, and he got all these points, and they give him, you a catalog where you can redeem these points for certain things. So they get a toaster, a shoehorn, okay. uh, right. a, a bow tie, and a tape recorder. Nice. And then you cash in your points. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a little reel-to-reel, like a three-inch reel of tape. I still remember it. I'd love to find one just to have on display here. Uh, where you you know thread it through, and you hit play and record, and you have a little microphone, and you hold it up to your mic. Hello, this is Wally Wingert speaking in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Oh, wait, in Aberdeen, South Dakota, actually, at the time. Right. So how how weird is it that he unwittingly was helping to train the future announcer for his favorite That movie? is crazy. Isn't that nutty? The odds of that happening. I mean, you yeah. win the lottery like five times over, yeah. it seems yeah. like. It's, That's insane. Yeah. And I didn't put two and two together until a couple of years into The Tonight Show. I was thinking about, boy, Dad always used to love the show and... Really, and I was talking to a friend of mine. Yeah, he got this tape recorder at this uh, for the sales contest, and really, that's how I started, you know, rehearsing and 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 learning how to do this sort of thing and work a microphone and hearing my voice back. So <laughs> it's just it's just how funny. And you don't is. know what that tape recorder is? No, I'm sure it's been yeah. long, long junked. As wow. a matter of fact, when oh, it, would you love to hear some old tapes yourself? Just well, I actually have a few old tapes. So luckily, thank God, when uh, we started getting um, once the reel to reel thing kind of went bye bye. My uh, folks and my grandparents bought cassette recorders, and right. instead of writing letters, we would record letters to each other and send tapes back and forth. So eh, it seemed like a good idea at the time, and it was kind of fun. And yeah. you could send a, a, a tape, a cassette at that time, roughly for about the same uh, rate as a letter. Okay. So my dad sold postage meters, so he knew exactly the type of postage you needed to put on it, mm-hmm. uh, how you needed to market. I mean, he knew all this stuff. So... Once we uh, started uh, sending these tapes back and forth, we ended up with a shoebox full of old tapes from Grandpa and Grandma. Well, what do you do with you them? You guys are well, sending voicemails, literally. Exactly. We're sending voicemails. <laughs> before. Right. Way before. Yeah. yeah. So, You're a pioneer. You should be getting a credit every ex- time somebody Exactly right. Yes, I started everything. So, um, And I would also uh, tape back and forth to pen pals that I would meet through pen pal magazines. So, you know, I'm 40 years old. 10 years ago, and I'm saying, whatever happened to all those tapes? My grandpa had been long dead. Um, so I said, I sure would like to hear those again. So I'm popping them in, and I'm listening to just gold. Yeah. I'm, I'm weeping, tears in my oh eyes, my just God. hearing all this great stuff of my dad when he's in his 30s, my mom when she's in her 30s, talking about this new thing called cable TV that we just got. Wow. We get, se- we get seven new channels and all this. <laughs> like, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, going oh, I'd love to have something like that. Yeah, it's terrific. So as a gift, I was working at a radio station at the time, and I said, I'm going to put all these on digital audio tape and, and store them forever because the cassettes right. are going to go by the wayside. Exactly. So what I did is I took out the best moments and made a two-CD set for everybody for Christmas and sent them out wow. for Christmas. This is back in probably late 90s, early 90s. Yeah, what a great gift. Yeah, and uh, apparently my cousin said that they sat there, and when they, they put it on, 
they were just all crying. Everyone. Yeah. Not a dry eye. Yeah, because you imagine. hear grandpa. One time my grandpa's, Ooh. you know, was singing a song about being a, he was a witty little guy. Yeah. He was singing a, some old song about the bachelor life for me or something like that because my grandma had gone off to like a week-long trip to Europe with some friends. Oh, so he to was. See Europe. And, so he said, no, I'm not going to go. I'm going to stay here. And right. So he, uh, he's going to have a party. He's going to have a, yeah, a party of one. Invite some chicks house. over. Yeah, exactly. All those hot Mitchell, South Dakota women. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, but that's, you know, so we gr- that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And so that's what got you into uh, the, the love, your love of like voiceovers or just. But you said on camera too, so like yeah, I, I would write plays and do things, and 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 I really loved Lon Chaney and the makeup procedure. And mm-hmm. even though I didn't have a lot of access to makeup techniques when I was living in, well, tell me again, Dakota, Lon Chaney. Oh, Lon Chaney is a silent film actor uh, who is known as the Man of a Thousand Faces. He's best known as the original Phantom of the Opera in the silent oh, film. Okay, uh, he did virtually on your every, website. You're the Man of a Thousand Voices. Right? Oh, I'm a man of 999 faces. Yeah. 999 faces. Oh, okay. Very nice. <laughs> so, so you're one less than Lon Chaney. I'm one less than Lon Chaney, and I will never be more because okay. he was awesome. He virtually created the makeup industry. Back in the early days of film, in the 20s, when film was just starting to get into, uh, oh, it's his late 19, it was, I think it was in the 1917 or 18, mm-hmm. and then it went into the 20s, and then sound came in in 1930. But a lot of the actors that were hired for, you'll find this really funny, a lot of the actors who were hired for movies would just show up to Universal. Like, you really? know, be there at like 8 in the morning. That's what I thought it was like today when I first moved here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to go down to Universal. I just got off the plane and I figured yeah. someone hand me money for a development deal and yeah. start working. Excuse me, do you have any acting jobs today? <laughs> <laughs> you kid, you're hired. You with the no lips and red hair. Get yeah, up yeah. here. Well, that's what would happen with Lon Chaney is he wasn't a particularly good-looking guy, but he could do, through years of theater in vaudeville, uh-huh. could do all these great makeup techniques. So the guy would come out and stand up on the dock there with about 30, you know, aspiring actors in yeah. 1918 or 1919 and go, okay, today uh, we have a pirate movie shooting and we need pirates. We need four pirates uh, with a scar on their face and a patch. And he'd go, he'd carry his makeup kit with him. That's like smart. A, a fishing tackle right. kit that had been transformed into makeup sticks, grease paint, spirit gum, all this stuff. So he'd run off into the corner, make himself as a pirate. Oh, yeah, you look good. Come on, you. And no that's kidding. How, that's how he worked. I mean, there are actors today who will, uh, for uh, commercial auditions especially, will go like, well, if it's for, um, you know, I get all the blue collar auditions. Uh-huh. So if it's like for, uh, you know, let's just say, um, uh, uh, what's, the, what's the place that changes oil? Uh, Jiffy Lube. <laughs> Jiffy Lube. Right. Then I'll put on my little dark, my little light blue blue collar shirt. Sure. Put some, uh, make sure my hair is kind of messed up. And <laughs> I mean, people do that. They're, uh, you know, I took an acting workshop. Well, one of your first things was the Dodge commercial. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, I had like a wife beater I put on. Sure. It just says sort of white trash. You look. had like a mullet or something. I had longer hair anyway. Yeah, yeah. So I pulled that back over my ear. <laughs> did like what I call the, the makeshift mullet. The makeshift mullet, right. Or the West Virginia waterfall. Right. <laughs> Come right. These rapids, you know. And, uh, but yeah, I think they're, uh, and I learned in this little acting workshop is that they'll tell you, you know, it's smart to take a little makeup kit with you yeah. and just leave it in your car because oh, you yeah. never know. Yeah. You'll get there and you'll go look in the mirror and you'll have like one zit or yeah. something crazy like that. And that could be the difference sometimes. Yeah. So. And the first guy to do that? Lon, Lon Chaney. Chaney. Yep. Wow. And he uh, became known as the Man of a Thousand Faces and he was very valuable in that he could look completely different 
in every movie. You'd never know it was the same guy twice. As a matter of fact. So you'd watch a lot of his old silent films, or, I, I or would, did you? you there, there weren't a lot of them on television at the time. My exposure to Lon Chaney was through a magazine called Famous Monsters Magazine, mm. which every month you'd run down to Four Brothers Market in uh, Aberdeen, South Dakota, and hope that they had the new issue of Famous Monsters Magazine. And in it, you'd see stills of him as right. all these different people and, all, and read stories about them and the films and wish, oh my gosh, I wish I could see all of these. And now with yeah. DVD and everything, it's easy to, to see them all, which is fantastic. But that was my exposure. So I'd buy Silly Putty. I'd buy all these things that I thought would be like good makeup things. I'd, Silly Putty? Yeah. Well, it works for about four seconds and you have to, if your mom is taking a What were you using that for? Planet of the Apes. I would do a little ape muzzle out of Silly Putty. I'd mold it. Oh. And I'd stick it on and I'd go, take the picture quick, mom. <laughs> I'd pose like the ape quick and then it would all fall off my face. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, when Halloween would roll around, of course, then you get all the great stuff with fake mustaches and yeah. noses and weird, crazy eyes and scar stuff and all this great stuff. So I would I would stock up during Halloween because there was no supply house that would stock any of stuff. Right. Now you just go down to any – Here especially. Here, it's like every corner there's a yeah. place. Or even a Halloween store. It just never goes out of business. It's just never. It's <laughs> always Halloween. It's the middle of Christmas. Hey, happy Halloween. Who cares? I'm telling you, out here it seems to me that Halloween is as big, if not bigger, than Christmas. Because for Christmas out here, I, what did my voice go? For Christmas out for here, Christmas out here, I've noticed Mr. A, Douglas. A lot of people go stuff. home, you know. <laughs> like a lot of people who aren't from here, they just go back to where they came from to be with their family. So yeah. it's kind of like a, a ghost town, a, a little bit, as yeah. much as L.A. could be. Um, but for Halloween, it's like everybody's yeah, out. Everybody, and this is like yeah. a big, big holiday. Yeah, there, there, uh, there's as much, ju- almost as much money spent. For Halloween is Christmas, and it's every year it gets a little bit. You mean in this town or just in general? In general. In oh wow, so that's growing everywhere, huh? Yeah. Interesting. Yep. So yeah, so you got in love with uh, the the faces and stuff. Yeah, I would I would uh, dig in my mom's makeup kit sometime and and dig stuff out, and I guess my folks figured it was okay as long as I wasn't dressing up like Judy Garland <laughs> or, or you know. <laughs> right. Oh, hello, Dolly. <laughs> Carol Channing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was, I was making myself into some sort of creature or Hey, something. did you ever watch, um, you know, uh, 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 Hollywood, is it Hollywood Squares, the tic-tac-toe thing? Oh, all the time, yeah. Yeah, okay. Who, and I'm, I, I'm hoping you know this because I forgot. Who was the one dude that had that doll of an old lady? Oh, it was uh, Waylon Flowers and Madam. Madam was the Madam, doll. Yeah. Okay. And Waylon Flowers? Waylon Flowers. See, I was kind of young. I didn't know where that came from. Yeah. What did, did he have other dolls or something? Was that his one thing? I think was he Madam, like the Jeff Dunham of his time? Yeah, I think Madam was his main character. Okay. This snippy old lady who was yeah. kind of dirty and yeah. it was hilarious. Right. Hilarious. And nobody has, after he died, uh, nobody has picked up Madam and, and, and run with it. I, maybe Madam, you know, was retired when he died and he didn't train anybody to, to carry on, but... She was, uh, she was something. How did that dude get famous? I mean, how did he, like, because even to be on Hollywood Squares, you had to be, oh, he was. Yeah, I think he was. He was God, I should know that. I should look Kinda that like guy. Kind of like the Jeff Dunham, except he didn't have the range of characters that Jeff He had. just had the one madam. I think he had madam. He may, I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. He may have had more, but madam, right. I think, was his Oh, I'm going to have to look that up. Okay. Yeah. Uh, good. I was but just. Look up Waylon Flowers. Waylon Flowers. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And madam. So, uh, so your whole life, you liked, uh, you liked um, you know, the monsters and you liked the, the, the gory, the Holly, Halloween stuff. And, sure, and yeah. cartoons, yeah. And so, so you're about to tell and me and music. How you got from that to here? 
Well, I uh, the, like I said, the only real way to exploit your talents in South Dakota is through radio. radio. So when I was about 16, I won a contest called the Coca-Cola DJ Contest on KABR 1420 AM in Aberdeen, South Dakota. Nice. During the summer, they would have – you'd write in a, a one-page letter why I want to be a Coca-Cola DJ. Uh-huh. If your letter was selected, you would come in, uh, cut your promo – and then for one hour, I think it was from 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock on Friday afternoon during the summer, uh-huh. you would be the DJ. Of course, you wouldn't get to touch any of the equipment, but the guy would um, – You'd be the voice. Or you'd be the voice. So having rehearsed for many, many years with my own imaginary radio station in my in my room at right. home playing records and charting, you know, what's number one this week and what's moving up to number four and what's used to be seven, now is ten. Yeah. I would get, have only 45s. <laughs> I would buy 45s at the music store. Well, I should get you to cut some liners for our show while I'm here. Oh, sure, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, so I, you know, having rehearsed in my room all those years, I'm like, well, I, I can do this. This is easy. So I go in. I, oh, they call up and they say, well, you, you're the Coca-Cola DJ. I'm like, fantastic. You get a case of Coke and you get an hour in the air. I'm like, yeah, a case of Coke, whatever. Hour on the air, that's really awesome. Right. So they said, well, come in to cut your promo the next week uh, at uh, Wednesday at 2 o'clock. I'm like, okay. And I hung up the phone. What's a promo? <laughs> I guess I just have to be there at 2 o'clock. Yeah. So I show up. And they have a little script. Hi, this is Wally Wingard. I'm the Coca-Cola DJ. Please join me, blah, 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 blah. So then I, the, the week after that, I do my show on Friday afternoon. So I have a notebook with all the stuff written out. I de- I'm going to dedicate a song to my friend John and uh-huh. his girlfriend Sarah. So we're going to play Sarah Smile. Right. Hall & Oates. We're going to do this. I'm going to say this. So I come in with all of this stuff prepared. Yeah. And the guy who's running the controls is the main program director. And he said, "Oh my gosh, you're you're really good at this. And how, do you want a job?" And I what? Said, I'd, I'd love to work at here. sixteen. Yeah, at you won a contest yeah. and get a job. Yeah, that's how they first. So some time passed, um, <clears throat> but that following school year, after the summer was over, I was in a play with a girl named Kathy, who was the daughter of the owner of that radio station. So okay. they already basically knew who I was. Right. And they said, "Well, you know, come in and, and cut a tape, an audition tape." And I was thinking, what's an audition take? Right. Okay, well, I'm going to go. You're learning as you go, learning for real. As I go, yeah. So and then uh, that summer uh, of 70, it was now 77. I won the Coca-Cola DJ contest, I believe, in 76. But uh, 77, January 77. Then by spring of 77, I was on the air as a part-time radio DJ at the age of 16. Wow. Uh, and then, of course, that August, Elvis Presley died. And I oh. was the resident Elvis expert. Yeah. So the station was like, Wally, you got to put together an Elvis special. So here I was, a 16-year-old kid uh-huh. on this radio station with the, everybody, the management telling me, you've got to put the special together. So right. And I you're like, well, this. I'm sobbing. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't pull myself together. I can't together. pull myself together. So, uh, well, I had to. I had to, I had to rise yes. to the occasion. So right. I put together a really nice couple-hour Elvis thing uh, with a combination of stuff that I learned from books, my Elvis books, as well as news reports and everything yeah. that were coming in on the teletype. You know, oh. those old ching, 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 ching. Yeah, I've heard of those. I haven't seen. Uh, yeah. Is that like the old like uh, stock stock ticker thing? It is that you yeah. see. Tick, 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 oh, that's tick, funny. Tick, tick, tick. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and we beat everybody to the punch because it was on that night. Oh. Because I already had all this material and I was writing furiously. <clears throat> and oh, wow. the other station, the competing station in town, didn't have their Elvis tribute on until the next day. Right. So, so you beat him uh, to the punch. Uh, and you were 16 or 17 when that happened? 16 at the time, yeah. Now, how long did you uh, work at the radio station? I worked at that radio station for about a year and a half. But luckily, thank God, a month before he died, I went 
and took a road trip with a friend of mine and saw Elvis in concert in Sioux Falls. Oh, so, well, nice. Yeah. So you got to see I, him. I did get to see him, yeah, because I was at the time I was really interested in Andy Kaufman, mm-hmm. and I wanted to uh, start impersonating Elvis as one of my characters. Right, and he so, did Elvis, that's he right. He's one of the best. So, yeah, well, actually, he's one of the first Elvis impersonators. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. He yeah. was doing Elvis before doing Elvis was cool. You actually do a great Andy Kaufman. Thank you very much. <laughs> or, or I should say Latka. <laughs> well, Actually, it was a character that started called Foreign Man. Foreign Man. Before he was given a name on Taxi. But he was doing that character for probably four or five years before Taxi had actually given him a name, Latka Gravis, on, on Taxi. Uh, so he was just foreign dude from, from, he was, uh, he was called foreign from the island. Now, where are you from, Latka, uh, again? Uh, I am from uh, the Caspian Sea oh. it, it, by Tripoli. You turn left at Tripoli, and it's the island of the Caspian Sea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I heard it. Uh, letter right is on it my still there? there is, uh, what's that? Is, the, is, the, is your island still there? Am I, yeah. No, no. I go back, and it, uh, it sink. So I have to row the boat to America. <laughs> <laughs> he had a whole backstory for the character. Yeah, no, I, I remember the one yeah, part yeah. where he goes, it sank. It sank. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was on The Tonight Show with Carson. So, again, have, if my dad had not been watching Carson every night, I probably would have never known who Andy Kaufman was. But right. he mentions in that letter, I got a really nice letter. Now, this is a letter from Andy Kaufman? From Andy Kaufman, dated August fifteenth, 1977, the day before Elvis died. No kidding. Strange, huh? And yes. He mentions in there. Foreign man. I had written him a letter asking him why he revealed his real voice on The Tonight Show. Ooh. And he said the reason he – and he, it was probably a, a challenge to his creativity because Andy's girlfriend, Lynn, later told me that Andy would never respond to anybody who wasn't a hot chick. So the fact that you were a guy and he responded to you, something must you have got to him. His button, I got to him because he. So I you? bet you that means he had a tough time making that decision. Right. And, and he thought like, well, should I come out? Should I not come out? Right. And right. he did, and then you're the first guy to call him on to, it. To call him on it, right? Yeah. And he said, well, I, I'll so here's why. Him. Right. Here's why. Yeah. So, but I also sent him a lot of pictures of me dressed up as him doing his foreign man character that I'd included along with the letter. Right. So he said in it, hey, you have a great Elvis suit. Where'd you get such a good Elvis suit? Th- you know, thanks for. You know, doing an invitation, wow. you're putting your, you must be, you must be great putting an act together so young. You're getting your stuff together. So he mentions why he stopped doing Foreign Man mm-hmm. and revealed his real voice because he wants to start doing some other characters like the wrestler Tony Clifton, yes. Andy, some of these other characters. Right. But but I I think I got to him. Yeah, you totally. And you, you were 17, 18 at that time. Uh, sixteen. Well, seventy seven. Sixteen. Sixteen. So, 16 yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, I just turned 16. So he had. That's a good one. Uh, his girlfriend Lynn actually told me years later that those pictures of me which is how she knew of me before I'd met her, uh, is still in his trunk of belongings. How d- who did you send that? I mean, how did you get his address? Where did you send that Care letter? of NBC. Okay. Burbank, where I'm working. So on. they just, so like he was working on Taxi at the time? Uh, no, he was working on the Van Dyke uh, and Company show. It was called Van Dyke and Company. Oh. It was a summer replacement series. This is actually, he didn't start Taxi, I think, until 78. I see. So, so so you knew that he was working on that show and you sort of addressed it to that right. general show Right, and then NBC, thank God. Got it over to his management. I bet, I bet they don't do that stuff anymore. Or probably do they? Probably not, yeah. Because they, they in probably, days of email and yeah, Twitter, it's yeah. way easier now. Yeah, probably not. But some nice person over at NBC sent the letter. Wow. Uh, I sent Andy Kaufman, Kara Van Dyke and Company, NBC, yeah. whatever. The only thing close to that that I've done uh, as a kid was I was in love with Olivia Newton-John. Ah, who wasn't? I know, right? Yeah. Let's get physical. Uh-huh. Oof. Well, I liked her before. Like, I, even, I know, but Greece before that. Yeah, yeah, Grease, yeah. definitely. Sure. Xanadu, even. Oh, yeah. Do you like Xanadu? You <laughs> seem like you like kind of cheesy yeah. old movies. It's cheesy. Yeah. yeah. I like it. I'm <laughs> it's one of the worst. I'm holding out for Blu-ray. I've yeah. Seen, 
I'll some of it on TV and some of it on standard def. But I'm, I'm soundtrack is amazing. Soundtrack, yeah, electric light orchestra. Acting not yeah. so great. Not so great. Yeah, but she, it's it's craptastic. Yes, it is craptastic. Yeah, yeah, we have uh, the soundtrack's amazing. I have the soundtrack on CD over there. Yeah, I've, 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 one of my favorite uh, all-time soundtracks is yeah. Xanadu. Definitely, I'm alive all over the world. I'm alive <laughs> and the world shines for me. <laughs> tonight <laughs> right absolutely <laughs> i thought i was back on the radio like in 1980 on KELO. oh god i love ELO. that stuff um but yeah so the closest thing i did to that was i wrote her a letter right yeah and i joined she had like a fan club, fan club so, yeah. did you get a response yeah did you get she, the color postcard with her with the signature on it i did i have that you have it too, I have it too. high five <laughs> nice we were in the same club <laughs> j fans absolutely all these years all these years had no <laughs> idea we were members of the owen card Karen, member of the leader <laughs> wow that is it's awesome a, it's a picture of her she's looking this way her hair is all she's nice beautiful and yeah, she's beautiful but from here on up yeah with like a i kissed that thing so many Every times day. well it was it was her it was farah it was cheryl ladd it was jacqueline smith Mm-hmm. And those were those were mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, you got to see Elvis before he died. That's yes. awesome. Did you ever get to meet uh, Andy Kaufman? Or uh, I did not. Even though we had it arranged, I was working uh, in 1980 at a station in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. By then, and I had worked it out. He was going to do a concert in Minneapolis, right? Which was four or five m- hours away. Correct. So we were going to get together uh, in. Minneapolis, and I was finally going to meet him. I had it all arranged through his management and everything. Um, the car- the concert was canceled. Uh, wh- and, uh, what? Well, just... I, they just said the concert was canceled. I thought it was because of weather, because right. it was snowing and blowing that weekend. But come to find out after reading Bill Zemi's Andy Kaufman biography years later, it was because they only sold about 200 tickets because Andy was doing his wrestling thing then. People everybody, hated him. Everybody hated him. Oh, my so gosh. So he sold no tickets. But Wow. That's, was, he was so before his time with that sort of stuff. Way before his time. I mean, I mean like, the closest thing to that we have today, and he's not even that close, would be uh, Sasha Baron Cohen yeah, yeah. with Bruno and Borat. Yeah. But um, but we know he's joking. Yeah, But exactly, I don't think yeah. people knew Andy Coppin was joking for yeah. a long time. The, I don't think people still know that he may have been joking. Really, there's a lot of people that still walk the line on that. Yeah. Still aren't really sure, was the Letterman thing staged? or right. Did he really get hit, or did Letterman know what was going on? Or was Jerry Lawler in on it or not? Did he actually lose his temper? Yeah, well, that now... Lawler will say he now was always Lawler, been on it. Yeah, yeah Lawler had, tells the whole story. Yeah. And uh, that was another one of those come-to-Jesus moments for me. It's like, oh, that's what happened? Oh, my gosh, when Lawler was on stage basically telling the whole story of yeah. how they met yeah. through a mutual friend on the telephone. And Andy said, oh, I want to talk to Jerry Lawler. And went in a bedroom and talked to him on the extension phone for about an hour. Wow. And then came out and was mum about what they talked about. And yeah. No kidding. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah, he. Uh, that's one of the <laughs> – icon right there you know like uh, you have a uh, i'm gonna take a picture of this too if you don't okay. mind and we're gonna put all these pictures uh with the permission of mr wally here sure. on uh, com. so if you're listening to <laughs> us through itunes and not through our website that's fine i still love you but know that you can go to com <laughs> and check out all these amazing pictures of what we're talking about um and the one i'm talking about now is your statue you've got two statues one's the robot version and one's the uh the uh, version of Andy Kaufman when he sang Here I Come to Save the Day, the, Ma- the right. Mighty Mouse, Mighty Mouse yes. song on SNL, is that on right? Saturday Night Live. Yeah. On the very first episode of Saturday Night Live, actually. Okay. He, uh, when he auditioned as – I'll show I'll play this for you. Yeah. When he auditioned as um, for Saturday Night Live for Lauren Michaels, uh, Lauren said that's the definition 
of avant-garde, and that's exactly what we want to do. Right. And I have this little sound chip in my wall here next to my Andy display. That's a great Don Pardo. Right. <laughs> so that was what he was, a little snippet of what he was doing. Uh, oh, look at that. The gate came down. Everything, the, the gate came down and trying to keep the dog at bay here. The dog so down did, um, who actually sang that song? Uh, that was a group of guys i'm trying to think of the name on the record uh i think i do have the record it was like a terry tune singer oh the sand were they just hired for, for that cartoon or something like that yeah they probably um were hired by terry tunes to sing the theme song for the mighty mouse show okay and, uh, but i'm not really uh exactly sure um but that's awesome that's to have, awesome. and I, I love where you have it too. You've got it right above your stairway, so when you walk into uh, Wally's house, I mean, you're you're going to see lots of things. But one of the biggest ones is right above the staircase, right. the uh, the, the uh, uh, Andy Kaufman statue, right, with his life cast and and, and. and now, is that the original wardrobe? Or? Yes, that's his. That's his clothes. That's that's, his, that's the his ones clothes. he wore. The ones he wore. On no, it, how did you get those? Uh, through a, a, a friend of his. Who had his belongings and uh, didn't really know what to do with them? And I said, right. "Well, they're huge collectible. So yeah, I'd love to have them." Wow! And uh, this person knew that Andy had corresponded with me and that I really loved Andy since I was, you know, fifteen, sixteen years old. And said, "Well, they they should be with you then." That's wonderful. So, yeah. So that that's his actual Heartbeeps costume as well. Heartbeeps. Look that up, people. It's a it's a great. Sci-fi comedy. It was a, you'd say it's a little comedy. It wasn't great. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, was, the makeup was great. The makeup actually won an Oscar that year, but the movie was, eh, yeah, you know, and it kind of ruined his budding film career. Would you say it's craptastic? It's craptastic. <laughs> it has, has Randy Quaid in it. It has Bernadette Peters, and of course Andy Kaufman. But the puppet head. What was the whole the 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 uh, quick synopsis of that film? Uh, uh, it was two robots basically falling in love and trying to run away to be together because uh, robots okay. were. Basically, servants to men. And how many movies have been done similar to that since then? I mean, you know, you had like AI was yeah, a kid. Exactly. And got yeah. Like uh, iRobot with Will Smith. Will Smith, yeah. There's tons of robot movies. Yeah, uh, this, was, this was cute. The makeup was kind of interesting, done by Stan Winston Studios, mm -hmm. which is who's legendary. Um, but yeah, there's probably been a lot of like robots trying to run away. But th this was a cute story about two robots who actually were in storage, cold storage together, just waiting for right. an assignment. Oh, Robin Williams. There was another one with Robin Williams where he was a robot. Do you remember that one? Yes. Mr. Uh, oh, boy. That one was pretty good. Yeah. What was uh, that called? It went into the future, like way into the future. But he fell in love yes. with, a, with a human, I think. Right. Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, I, I, we'll look it up. Yeah, there's a, there's a million of them. Yeah. But that's Andy uh, holding uh, the the poster there is Andy with his arms around, yep. uh, hands around the puppet head that you see right there because they did a, a bit with a, where the robot had to spin his head around. <laughs> and uh, so they built a full robot likeness um, of Andy in his makeup. Is and that, that's the head right there. And is, it, <clears throat> is that also the, the, the wardrobe that uh, – The wardrobe is uh, similar something to that he wore. Yeah. Um, the jacket that I have is uh, he gets attacked by a bear. <laughs> uh, in the film because everyone knows bears love robots bears love robots they, they and, get really hungry and who doesn't <laughs> so the jacket is pre-bear attack but the pants are post-bear attack oh I see yes there's some so, yeah, uh, they, uh, robot legs but you showing. can see the, the, the lame fabric used to be a lot shinier and a lot newer looking in it yeah it dulled with age and probably with cleaning and 
Yeah. So, but it's a fun piece to have. And underneath nice. that right there is Andy's life mask, which is where I got his life cast. No, yeah. For those of you who don't know what a life mask is, it's okay. I didn't either. Uh, <laughs> but when you do movies where uh, you're going to be playing uh, a robot or you're going to be playing um, someone who might get their head chopped off or for many different reasons, they take a full sort of like uh, a cast of your face and then they have that forever. So if you ever, you know, in the future have to do something like that again, you don't have to go through that process right. of sticking your head in plaster for an hour and a half. As long as you don't uh, gain weight and uh, get a big neck right. or big cheeks or whatever. And that they and so they just keep that. And then right. you ended up with that. Is that right? Yes. Uh, I bought this at an auction. Uh, the, the robot head was uh, available at auction. So I said, I don't care any price. Yeah. Uh, so I got it. And I noticed that the prosthetics, the robot prosthetics started coming off. And I contacted my special effects guy to have it reattached. And he said, well, you know, Andy's head cast is under here. And I said, oh, my gosh, that's wow. amazing. Because I've been looking for Andy's face cast. To for your other his, one, yeah. yeah. And then the first time I saw that, you didn't have – you just had a regular sort of face on there. The, right, it was just a mannequin You didn't face, have right. the – yeah. I didn't have Andy's face because I'd been looking for now Andy's. Now it's complete. Now it's complete, yeah. <laughs> so it's about as complete as it's going to be. And, yeah. Uh, there was only two Andy Kaufman head casts ever done. One was for Tony Clifton. Right. Um, for the prosthetics for his lounge singer character, and that ended up in the hands of Milos Forman, the director of Man of the Moon. And the other one was Stan Winston Studios, which I have. Oh. So I've been asked, I've been offered money for copies. and uh, I'm sure that if you just took all the stuff in here and, and uh, try to put a price tag on it, you're, you're looking <laughs> at a lot of money in here. Well, because even the Michael Myers mask you've got over there. Yeah, that's a, that's a repro. Which I found out later was actually. Um, a William Shatner. <laughs> William Shatner's face. But if you look at it, and the face, more you look at it, the more you realize that is what it's William Shatner. It's, it's <laughs> William Shatner. It looks like William they Shatner. They took my face. They and took my <laughs> made a mask. <laughs> well, actually, they did make a Captain Kirk and Mister Spock mask in the mid seventies. Again, in Famous Monsters magazine, I'd always see these advertised in the back of the magazine, <laughs> right. wishing I could get one of these. Yeah. And now some guy with an original William Shatner mask that was used for the Halloween had it on eBay for like $1 million or something. No, what? Yeah, yeah. Crazy. It's crazy. Um, all right, let me backtrack a little bit. Okay. Now, you, uh, Radio 17, how do you go from radio to like it's time to make the move to Los Angeles? Right. Uh, radio was getting me nowhere in yeah. South Dakota. I had kids to feed, and I said, I've really got to move us to somewhere that's going to be more financially viable to be able to support them. And how family. old are you when you made this decision? 25. 25, yeah. okay. So I said, you know what? Uh, I told my uh, girlfriend slash ex-wife, because we were in the process of re, um, what do you call that? Kindling? Or? Rekindling our, yeah, our thing. Yeah. Um, reconciling. Reconciling, yes, okay. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, I said, well, you, you stay here with the kids. I'm going to go out and uh, set up a house and, and lay the groundwork and set up uh, a career, and we're mm -hmm. going to make some money, and we're going to be out there, and and we'll be a family out there. We won't be here because I just uh, there's nothing I can do here to make sure. any sort of money. So I came out here uh, and uh, worked very hard for a couple of years. It, it took a couple of years, and then I did. Said, you have to land like a job job first. I had three jobs, but yeah, it was it was tough. The first job I had was at a record store. Then I worked at a radio network, and then I worked at a radio station all simultaneously. Oh, really? All at the same work, time? Yeah, I would work at, from 7.30 in the morning to 4 in the afternoon at Westwood One Radio Network. Mm -hmm. And then I would drive um, to Hollywood, pick up a salad on the way or some food, <laughs> and work from 6 to midnight at the radio station. At wow. A station called The Wave. 
which at the time didn't have DJs. It was just like basically being a board op. And then I drive back, get to bed around probably one thirty-two in the morning, and then have to be up at seven or six thirty to be at work by seven thirty and well, do it all over again. Well, so, all those jobs probably you you make connections. You oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. As what you was you well know? It's not what you know; it's who you know. It, it, it totally is. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of that, but mostly who you know. Yeah, and. Um, you know, you got to have some talent too, which you obviously have. When the door opens, you got to be. You got to be ready to. But if you can be, I know so many talented people that just will probably never get anywhere because they just they don't, don't try hard enough. They don't try hard enough. They don't make themselves available to those opportunities that right. could help them. But you do have to have the chops. Yes. Once it, it it's open to you. Having the chops, I would say, is thirty three percent of it. Yeah. Well, what did. Like this, like inspiration, perspiration type inspiration thing. Perspiration. Yeah, thinking. Yeah, yeah. Were you thinking the percentages yeah, yeah. too? I was thinking the percentages. Ninety-nine percent of it is inspiration. Yeah, one percent yeah, <laughs> is inspiration. Ninety-nine percent is perspiration. Yeah, right. Which means you got to really hustle and yeah. work hard. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I made so the move in '87. What, what would you say your first big break after being here in Los Angeles would would have, would have been for you? I mean, the one where we go like, wow, that led to this meeting with this guy and blah, 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 blah. Well, I got, strangely enough, uh, on the stage that I'm working on now at NBC, mm-hmm. they used to do Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Ah, yes. And that was one of my first things where I was the voice of a lottery announcer. Ah, okay. So I went in and recorded my thing. and uh, As a, at a, vo- a voiceover uh, agency? Yes, I had an agent at the time. This yeah. was probably 1990 or something okay. around that year. And I'd gotten a voiceover agent through a friend of mine who, again, who you know, mm-hmm. And uh, that was the first thing that I'd really booked, and I was like, wow, I'm, I'm on a set for a TV show doing a thing. This is really amazing. And then my puppeteering, because I was always into puppets as a kid, uh, led me to get a role on Murphy Brown, okay. um, where she goes on a kid show. So I was a puppeteer and the voice. Really? So it was called uh, It Ain't Easy Being Brown. <laughs> <laughs> and it was basically her going on kind of a parody of Sesame Street called Mulberry Lane. Uh, so did she talk to you or the puppet or both? Uh, she talked to the puppet, but I was underneath in this vegetable cart. Oh, I see. So you weren't like on as a ventriloquist type. You were oh, just, no, no, no. I wasn't on you were I was below the, the puppet. vegetable cart. Yeah. Uh, Again, all you saw was really my hand. Yeah. She got mad at the puppet and pulled his head off, and you see my hand. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. the puppet really Oh, that's funny. My first play that I did in college, uh, Bullshot Crummond, all you saw was uh, my hand. Oh, really? Yeah. I was a stage manager. Oh. See, I got into acting by accident. I was like, uh, I was a theater major and, at NC State because, not because I grew up wanting to be an actor. I mean, right. I always wanted to be a comedian. Right. But I never really thought about acting. Yeah. Um, but I barely got into college, and I thought, wow, I better pick a major that's easy. Because I didn't even know what I wanted. I just wanted to get a degree. Right. You right. know, that would, be, that would be a win. Was so, that your folks talking? Yeah, just yeah. get a degree. Yeah, I don't care what it is. Yeah, just come home with a diploma. Yeah, you know. So I'm like, yeah, that's uh, silly to me. Uh, it, yeah. It's stupid. <laughs> it's the most silliest thing ever. Yeah, yeah. But at the time, you don't know anything, and they didn't right. know any better either. They, right. they just thought, well, that would lead to, that would lead something. to something. Yeah. <laughs> exactly right. You got a degree. Well, something. Well, look, yeah. what do you got right there? It's on the damn wall. Yeah. Yeah. So take I, that degree with you when you go job hunting. Make sure right. take that degree. Yeah, get you a nice on your chest. But I thought, well, I better pick something that's easy and uh, I, I didn't know what to take and I looked around and I thought well what are the athletes taking they're usually some of the p- dumbest people jocks yeah, yeah. <laughs> I used to be one in high school so I was like you know uh, what are they taking and I looked around and there's a couple guys taking theater right. I was like theater huh all right so I chose theater only because I thought it would be easy and then once I got in there 
I actually loved it yeah. and found out by other people telling me that I was decent at it. And that's where all the chicks are. That's that this, I found that out by accident too. I'm telling you, I backed up in the whole thing. Yep, I'm I'm like you. I was I said, why would I want to be in athletics? All you do is hang out with thirty other sweaty guys all day. That's <laughs> awful. Right. What I want to do is I want to be on stage uh-huh. kissing the, so the, the hottest prom chick. queen. Yeah, who's like got the role in the new play because right. How many girls audition compared to guys in high school? I uh, know. Now it's probably different with Glee and all that. Other exactly. Stuff. But back in my day, yeah, it was a probably make ten guys to thirty girls. And did you do that in high school too? Oh sure, theater stuff. Charlie's yeah. Angels. Yeah. This, one I, I wish I would have started earlier. Girls. I didn't even yeah. start till college by accident, but uh, it would have been nice to start it earlier. Plays and talent shows were really the only reason I showed up to school. Other yeah. Other than that, I just had no interest. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's uh, it's a good observation, you know. Yeah. Um. So, so you, where were we? I, I lost my train of thought. Oh, school. We were going uh, somewhere. Now you you came out here. You got your first big break. You're telling oh, yeah, me what yeah, your first yeah. big so break Murphy was. Brown. So, Murphy Brown. Uh, yeah. So that got me my my SAG card. And oh, that's uh, right, SAG was, card, Screen Actors Guild. It was all. Uh, I was all, Taft Hartley. Uh, oh, you were? Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was I was eligible to be in the union because I had worked under an after contract for years mm-hmm. on the radio station. Okay. So if you were AFTRA and had worked under a contract for a certain amount of time, you were now eligible for SAG. So I had to basically join to do this thing, but I was already eligible. All I had yeah. to do was scrape together the 2600 bucks or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no, it was. I was going to tell you or ask you. Um, you're right. The ladies are in theater and right. plays and stuff <laughs> like that. Um, and I've noticed that you are quite a ladies' man. Oh, Peshaw. I think you are because I don't know how many times my wife and I have we've both witnessed it where we've either been at the pool or uh, at our garage and we've seen you uh, coming and going with another hot hot girl. There's, you know, uh, you know, like I don't know if you're working with them or what's going on, but sure. I'm like I'm high-fiving you in my brain every time. I'm like, go, Wally. Well, I, you know, my problem is I can't find a woman to stay interested in me for longer than about five minutes, so that's why I'm... Well, that's about all we need, really. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, at my age, you know. Like, okay, good night. Right. <laughs> anyway, no, but yeah, so, uh, yeah, we were at the pool. We saw, like, a hot chick, and, and they're always yeah. hot, too. Like, I yeah. never see you with anything below a uh, below an eight. <laughs> well, thank you for that. Yeah. I'm, I'm very blessed and very lucky. Do you and, meet a lot uh, of girls working at, over at Leno? Uh, or no, because no. you're probably like yeah. tucked away a lot. Yeah, this day and age, that's kind of frowned upon anyway. We had to take a sexual harassment class. Uh, oh, oh, but a, that was fun. Of, yeah, that was a barrel of laughs. But it has to be done. It's corporate life. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I try not to date anybody in my circle. You know, you don't want to pee where you, you don't eat. Wanna, exactly or that's right. called. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to. Yeah, <laughs> pee where you fish. You don't want to pee in the same pond where you right. fish. Uh, that's the nice way of saying shit we eat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that's right. We're on, we're <laughs> we're on a podcast. We're, yeah. Yeah. So uh, I try to keep that out of the whole thing. I don't date anybody I work with. Uh, mm-hmm. Just try and keep that nice and clean. And very good. So, but yeah. So there's uh, th- there's uh, no shortage of, of sexy girls in this town. That's right. true. Newsflash. Yeah. <laughs> Come to L.A., guys. I tell you. Yeah, well, not all of you. Yeah, not all of you. <laughs> Stay, in fact, never mind. Yeah, never mind. Stay home. Um, and, and There's uh, all ugly girls here. Nothing but ugly girls. <laughs> no, you don't want to come here. I'm trying to think. Uh, we also uh, saw you uh, New uh, Christmas Eve. 
Yes. The wife and I At went, my church. went to your church. Yes. Yes. Uh, with, we hope you come with, again. It's a we great We will, church, definitely, yeah. with a friend of ours. Um, and we bring the doggies at the 530 service. You were telling me about that. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. This church is really awesome. It's First Christian Church in North Hollywood on the corner of Colfax and Moore Park. And it's uh, used for a lot of movies and TV shows. Uh, Seventh Heaven, mm-hmm. it was the regular church. Oh, I know. Every time. I mean, th- that, sh- that, that church has used a lot of things. Yeah, a lot of things. The Katy Perry video. Um, uh Tons of stuff. Yeah, yeah, tons of stuff. Uh, it's where it was Indiana in the, Jones got married. The middle. It was in the middle. Right. That, that sitcom. Indiana Jones got married in that church. Oh, is that right? The final scene of the Crystal Skull. Ah. So uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a great church. A lot of people there are industry folks. They just want to find a church with a lot of really good people. Yeah. And there's a lot of really great people over it there. It was an emotional night because um, we were with our friend. So it was me, my wife, and a friend of ours, female friend, mm-hmm. and she's not been to uh, the church out here. Or like this, right? So it was a candlelight, um, you know, a lot of a lot of music and a lot of uh, uh, soloists, I guess you could say, sure. artists sing, singing, mm-hmm. and both of them were really good. And they got to that song. Oh God, what's the name of that song? Oh, Holy Night. No, what's the Oh Holy Night? No, what's the one that goes Fall on Your Knees? Is that Holy Night? Fall on Your Knees. Is that Holy Night? Yeah. Yeah, Night Divine or something. Yeah, that one. That's a hard song to sing anyway. Yeah, holy night. Yeah. But then you know, if you're you know, I grew up in church by the way. Yeah. Like I was a Southern Baptist. Uh-huh. I used to go twice on Sundays and on Wednesdays. Right. Like my whole childhood was church was sure. a big part of it. Oh yeah. So I've been in there, not this one, but I, I've used to that song. But I've I haven't been to a church in a while. I mean, yeah. I only go to church when I go back home to see my my family. Yeah. So so when you go to back to church yeah. after being gone for a long time. Yeah. And you hear that song. Oh, that's a tearjerker. Yeah, yeah. Because he's saying, fall on your knees. Yeah. And you hear that, and you're like, yeah, I should. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry for everything. <laughs> and, it, and I think we all the three felt. You comes out. Yeah, I think yeah. all three of us kind of felt that. Yeah. So it was a tearjerker. And then, of course, the, well, the uh, candlelight, the candlelight yeah. part adds to it and yeah. the theatrics of it yeah. and the music. And, the, and it was just beautiful. Yeah, I haven't missed that service in um, probably the six years I've been going there. Yeah. And, um, but the regular service that we go to is Sunday nights at 5.30, which is a progressive service with a band. Right. And it's not in a, the main sanctuary. It's in the social hall. So uh-huh. there's just chairs. People bring their dogs. It's very casual. They have some food, some snacks. Wow. Um, it's very – you know, the minister usually wears a Hawaiian shirt. And, <laughs> okay. You know, khaki. It's laid people back. bring their jeans. You could show up dressed with your shorts and, and yes. workout top. Nice. And nobody would even think a thing of it. But what's really great is people bring their dogs there. And uh, Roxy, my my colleague, has kind of become the unofficial uh, greeter. Oh, okay. Everybody seems to really nice really like her. But yeah, people bring uh, little Pomeranians, little Chihuahuas, all kinds of stuff. We so. saw uh, also saw um, um, the uh, sidekick to Tim Allen from Tool Time, or uh, uh, not Tool Time. What's the what was it? Uh, yeah, it was Tool Time. Uh, uh, Home Improvement. Home Improvement. Yeah, yeah, Tool Time was the show. It was the, the fake show, show in yeah. the show. Yeah. But his sidekick. I forgot that guy's oh, name. Oh yes, well he's there. He was there that night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Powers Booth. Oh, he was there. Yes, oh, I love him. We didn't get to say goodbye because they were the girls had uh, makeup problems from the, oh, from the tears, the tears yeah. so they were ready just to run out the door real right. fast. <laughs> um, so I was kind of chasing them. So I saw I saw Powers Booth and uh, what's the other guy's name? I can't I, remember I, his I can't name. Remember. I did a commercial, uh, not with him, but we did a, a commercial for the same company at the same time, back to back, and so I met him there. But oh. it, yeah, it was crazy uh, seeing see, Powers Booth yeah, there too because yeah. I used to watch Deadwood. 
You know oh, that wow. series Deadwood on HBO? Well, I remember when he played Jim Jones, scared the crap out of me. Jim Jones in what? It was the Guyana tragedy in the TV movie? He won the Emmy for it. Oh, really? I gotta watch that too. Uh, I liked him from uh, Red Dawn. Oh yeah. When he was yeah. like the the older leader of. Well, do you remember the Jim Jones tragedy in, in Guyana? I think it was South Africa where he had this cult and they all drank the Kool Aid. That's that. Where, that's what it was. Drinking the Kool Aid. Right. Out. Yeah. Oh, he played Jim Jones. He played Jim Jones. Oh, I should look that up. Frightening. That's a good yeah, story. That's an interesting story. Yeah, the two greatest TV movie performances was him as Jim Jones and uh, Steve Railsback as uh, Charlie uh-huh. Manson. Oh, really? Yeah, and Helter Skelter. Oh boy. When did you? Uh, Switching subjects again. Sure. When did you uh, actually move into? I'm not going to say actually where we are, but we're neighbors. In an when undisclosed you, location. That's right. I, look, I know we both have tons and tons of fans and stalkers. Oh sure. Oh yeah. And we don't oh, want them showing up they're, here. They're right up, <laughs> lined up outside my door, as you can tell. Uh, by the way, if you're thinking about it, Wally is packing. Okay. <laughs> so don't even try it. Yes, you're like the security guard around here. I'm a gun fan. Yes. I, 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 I have about 20 handguns, and I, I just love to collect. I love to collect all kinds of stuff, but I've right. developed an affinity for, for handguns. I'm I feel a, very safe with you here. Oh, thank you. With, um, you know, um, what's your face's son, a helicopter sure, flying sure. around yeah, all the time, yeah, you know, yeah. and all the dogs we have. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know? Well, I got all the dogs. Um, but when did you actually get this place? Uh, in 2000. In 2000. I became the voice of a network called PAX TV, which is not I remember that. ION, but it was family friendly and they have uh, TV networks that will have their uh, network voice, the yes. voice of dot 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 voice of ABC, the voice of CBS so what they do is they basically put you in some golden handcuffs and they pay you an extraordinary amount of money, but you have to be at their beck and call virtually 24 hours and that's called golden handcuffs that's called golden handcuffs. I didn't I like that they're handcuffs but they they're are gold, gold. Yep. <laughs> look how pretty they are so I, so I was living in Culver City at the time but the network was up here so my job was to come in much like NBC and be on call but to come in about 9:30 to 11:30 every day okay. well 9:30 be to 11:30 became you know 9:30 to noon 9:30 mm-hmm. to 12:30 and then it became 12 to 12 or, or 10 to 12:30 and the hours were just all crazy because uh, the schedule of actually doing on-air promo right. is, is a little bit hectic because okay. script changes and all that kind of stuff. So I said, you know what, I really got to move somewhere close because I can't keep driving in from Culver City every day It's with the traffic and everything. It's terrible. And they were up in this area. So uh, I was looking around for a house, but I didn't really want just a standalone house. It was a lot of responsibility just coming out of an apartment, as you probably mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be in some sort of community that was a uh, obvious transition from – uh, apartment life to uh, home, home yes yeah and this seemed to be the best bet it was very close to where the network was located within walking distance i could be there at a moment's notice uh, and it uh, it all worked out i loved the layout of this this complex mm-hmm. and i love the layout of these houses and in uh, 2000 you probably bought this at a good time then at two, in 2000 boy, you know it yes you did you know it so you're probably not underwater like a lot of us over I here not underwater <laughs> that's yeah. good for Thank you god yeah yeah, because that, that's a big one. It, going from when you move out here and you're trying to, you know, make your dream a reality is is moving from the apartment to now you're a homeowner. Right. Because yeah. in order to do that, you've had to hit something big. Yes, exactly. And that was the story. And that was the PAX thing. And this was the house that PAX built. Ah, because, very nice. Uh, yeah, and I was there for about three years. So Over was, there is what my, where I live is the house that Hemi built. Oh, of course. <laughs> Hemi and Last Comic Standing helped me keep it. Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I bought it at not as smart time as you did. But so. if you get in on something like uh, people don't understand, if you get a campaign like Hemi, 
Yeah. And it runs for a while. You're doing print. You're doing yeah. uh, personal appearances. You're doing radio commercials. You're doing personal appearances. Yeah. That's big money. Yeah. People have retired after a five-year McDonald's campaign because they've got enough money. They don't ever have to work. They're, they're done. Yeah. Although I think even those days are starting to go by the wayside because yeah. I think they're on to like – because, you know, you know how it works. It's like 13-week cycles. Mm-hmm. And so I think it seems to be the trend now that they will – if you get a can, unless you're like the big, big, big star, unless you're the voice of Geico, right, the or the chick, yeah. the chick from uh, yeah, Progressive, progressive. Yeah. Um, yeah. unless you're that, then your campaign will only go twelve weeks, yeah, and then they'll be we'll done be with that and do something else. Yeah. yeah, so the, the getting the uh, the residuals aren't as as much as they used to be. Sure, but luckily I hit that before all that. Yeah, happened. yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting time. Uh, the internet has helped and hindered, I feel, the industry. Yeah. Where it's helped in that you no longer have to drive ten miles over the hill yeah. to audition for stuff in your agent's office with twenty other people, but you can do it at home. And you yeah, I was going to say for you. But now there's a hundred people auditioning because every because now they can do it that way because they can every knucklehead with a microphone and an email setup. And an agent uh-huh. who can give them the copy can now audition. So you're kind of wow. competing against. So if you're working in this day and age, it's almost more impactful than working back then because now you're not only beating 30 other guys, you're beating 130 other guys or maybe 300 other guys. I think it's even harder as a voiceover yeah. Uh, talent yeah. because that field seems to be a little bit more clicky or niche than, than other uh, on-air. Vo- yeah, voiceover is a real specific talent and ability, and you have to be really very well-trained. A lot of on-camera guys come into it thinking, oh, this will be yeah, easy. I'll, I'll just talk. Up, I'll show up in my pajamas and just talk. And you have to actually get direction. Yeah. You don't get that direction. They might give you an on-camera some loose direction of where to move, but basically how you interpret it mm-hmm. is is up to you, the actor. Well, for example, on Family Guy, when – Oh, yes. Uh, for, I'm so glad you brought that up because you, oh. you are uh, one of the uh, weightlifting guys, right? I, I've done probably hundreds of voices on Family Guy over the course of the, of the series. Yeah. But it used to be where you do what's called an ensemble read. You'd go in with all the other actors, Seth MacFarlane. Uh, Patrick Bristow, uh, Seth Green, all the other guys, and you'd have your script and you'd do the ensemble read. It changed when Seth became the director. Mm-hmm. He, that meant that he was sitting on the other side of the glass and just giving you basically your lines. There were no nobody else. So you have to do it in a certain way because Seth has in his mind how the voices around your lines are going to sound. Okay. In order for it to all be musical, you have to do it kind of a certain certain way. Wow. So a lot of on-camera actors aren't used to that. They're used to going in with some other people there. It's it's acting in a vacuum. They're not used to that. Especially if you do video games, it's just you for four hours yelling and screaming and dying a hundred different ways. And most on-camera actors are like, I don't have time for this. I'm going to lose my voice. I'm going to do all this stuff. Right, right, right. They're just not not trained for that. And they realize that it's actually a lot harder than they thought. And and a lot of on-camera actors are used to just being able to arch an eyebrow or cock a <laughs> smile and getting a thought across, you can't do that in voiceover. Yeah. It, when I'm doing the Riddler in the Batman Arkham City and Arkham Asylum games, that evil has to come through your voice because you don't have the ability to actually look evil. Oh, right. That's all animated later. Yeah. You have to – there's a certain vocal ability, a vocal cadence that you have to have in your ability to – make him sound evil even if you never see him and then wow. of course the animation helps you know augment that what and that's uh, as the riddler that's, uh, yes. that's something you've had to do with the riddler uh yes yeah yeah it, um but you you go in and you think of well that this is what the specs are and the character and this is how they want it to sound i think i know how this would go 
And I knew a director at the Community Playhouse in Sioux Falls that had this really interesting way of talking. He loved to chew every one of his words, and he was so self-important. And I thought, that's a good voice for the Riddler, because they didn't want to go Frank Gorshin. They didn't want to go Jim Carrey. They wanted to be kind of like an evil game show host. Interesting. So, And there was an actor named Michael Dunn who was on Wild Wild West. He was a little little person. He played... Uh, Dr. Loveless. Okay. And he was re-watching these Wild Wild Wests, taught me how you can be so evil but so charming at the same time where people love Dr. Loveless because he would say the most hideous things that he was going to do to James West, but in the most lilting, happy way. So, oh, Mr. West, I'm going to rend you limb from limb. It's just <laughs> gonna be, it's something I've always wanted. Oh, Mr. West, let me sing you a song. And he'd sit down at the piano and sing a song while he's, you know, James West is chained up over a right, of boiling acid right, or something. Right. So I thought if I could combine this guy's, this director's voice with Michael Dunn's lilting, happy way of, uh-huh. of saying things. It just it and it, it it ended up being really really fun and you could hear just in his voice that he had such disdain for the dark night and you have to do that you can't you you can do the faces in the session but nobody's ever going to see Doesn't it matter yeah you can spit you can like slobber you can do all this stuff it's very liberating because mm-hmm. nobody's watching you and you can just feel free to be this character and and uh, you know. Well, Dark Knight, I'm sure you had a real good time trying to figure out my traps with your minuscule brain. You'll know at the end of the night that the Riddler is better than you. You know, nice. see, you see all the things that go on yeah. with the mouth, and you have to get through your teeth, yeah. and the things you need to dip down into that. And oh, well, Dark Knight, and all <laughs> yeah. the lilting of the thing. So yeah. it's like how you you need to hear that, and and some actors don't don't do that. They think, well, I'm just going to go in and say these evil things and look right. evil and make a scary face. Yeah. But in voiceover, you you, you can't necessarily. Yeah, do but that. you, I mean, because you're you're selling it, and you're into it. Your face is moving along with right. You have your to, voice. Yeah. 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 So you can't do it. Without moving your face, I well, don't, I mean, maybe some guys or, or can. your complete physical body, your whole body. Yeah, you. you I, I learned that. See, when I went and did ADR for uh, Black Sky, yep, yep, and yep. I had only done it one at a time, mm-hmm. and uh, I went in with my uh, sidekick in the film, uh, Kyle Davis, and uh, he had done this many times. And he says, uh, "Yeah, you're gonna have to like, because uh, this whole movie we're screaming, yeah, at the tornado, oh, oh great, basically, holy shit, you know, a yeah, bunch yeah. of times, <laughs> and so, and then in the film we're jumping around and we're moving sure. around a lot, and he goes, you 'You're gonna have to read.'" act the whole thing oh, yeah, basically you have to hear it in your voice but it's gonna be harder because yeah. you have to plant yourself right in front of that microphone sure so even though you are jumping around and you're, and you're selling it still you can't be off you can't be too crazy because right. you have to make sure you're talking into the mic so, See, it's an art yeah it totally is yeah, yeah. so hats off my friend oh thank you yes, no, yes, but yes. It, that's why it's a niche that you were talking about why yeah. there's only a small group of people that continually do this right a they're they're generally people who have no interest in being on camera so that because they're hiding something. Because no, just because <laughs> that's what they do. Sure. That's, that's just what they do. Yeah. Some musicians are happy to just be studio musicians. Mm-hmm. It's steady work. They can go in. They do their thing. They're right. real good at it. And they yeah. off, off they go. They take their check and they're home with their family. There's no touring. Mm-hmm. There's no goofing around. There's no band member problems. You're a paid studio musician. You come in. It's kind of like that. Uh, it's very you know it's it's secure if you get a campaign or whatever and you never have to worry about people you know mobbing you or showing up because nobody really talks voiceover people. But, uh, <laughs> We're gonna change but, that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it, it really is a specific thing. But like you said, it's you have. That's why sometimes I won't wear sleeves yeah. on my shirts and people think I'm trying to be cute and trying to show off my <laughs> biceps that I don't have. It's actually a functional work shirt for when oh. I go do video games uh-huh. or anime dubbing or any sort of 
um, gesticulation uh, animation or whatever, uh-huh. where you have to gesticulate in the studio. Because I'm always swinging my arms around. I, I talk with my arms. I talk with my hands. Yeah. And sleeve noise will pick up on the mic if you're like, Garfield, I'm going to get you. You come back here. You know, you do that because you want to hear that in the physicality because yeah. once they animate it, the, the animation will be going off, going crazy with hands waving in the air. And, but you don't want to hear. You don't want to hear the sleeve, the start. The sleeve, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I get that. That makes so, total sense. So, oh, the sleeveless shirts are. I've, I've even done that accidentally just with paper. Like they'll right. be, you know, I'm reading something, um, this other thing I'm doing, I had the script in front of me and I would turn the page and you could hear like a, the paper crumbling and they go like, okay, you gotta, don't do that. Yeah. Well, you <laughs> so, don't do it on other people's lines or your own. Yeah. If you, if you're narrating something and it's just you, you'll say, uh, in 1942, Adolf Hitler's armies were coming uh, to the shores of Poland. Then you pause, then turn the page, let <laughs> yeah. it settle, and then go. Yeah, this caused trouble for the United States. Right. So, but and then they can out. always cut that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you don't want to do it on somebody else's line. A lot of older actors that I work with in cartoons uh, forget that. So, if you have somebody who's a senior citizen. Uh, we'll be doing our thing, and you'll hear papers turning because the yeah. director will forget. And they can't hear it probably either. I don't see a lot of younger actors, uh, voiceover actors, doing that. Everybody's kind of you know, yeah. aware of the page noise thing. Well, it's awesome to have you as a neighbor. I love that uh, you know your whole story is amazing. You've been here since 2000. Living the dream, my in, friend, in making complex, it happen. Yes. You know? Um, Seriously, this is a great spot to be in. I love it here. Yeah, me too. Um, and do you? I want to ask you this. Do you have anything you want to – well, before before we, we end this thing because I don't want to waste any more of your time. Oh, no. Um, you've got some stuff to, to plug, be. but you said you'd visited Graceland. Oh, I did, yeah. Now, what was your favorite part of Graceland? Don't say the Jungle Room. Uh, <laughs> Just kidding. Unless the experience the that I had at Graceland, I also went to Sun Records, which is another terrific experience. Was that Danny? Memphis? That's in Memphis, yes. Yeah, okay. Um, it's uh, – I can't remember the name of the street. I used to know this. Beale Street? No, Beale Street's where yeah. all the jazz clubs right, were right, right. And, the, and the R&B clubs. Um, Union, okay. Union Street. So uh, it's a little ways from, from Graceland, but it's worth the trip if you go back. Have you not been to Sun Records? Where no, I didn't do Roy Sun Orbison Records. Like, oh, no. It's unbelievable. I should. Johnny Cash and Roy Orbison and all the greats, right. Charlie Rich, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. They have uh, – marks in the floor where elvis stood when he did his original sun records recordings oh and to stand on that spot is like hallowed ground of yeah yeah a nerd like me yeah oh my gosh they have this the, the original microphone that he had there's a picture of him on the wall with that microphone and you can hold it and take a picture it's it was wow. an unbelievable pretty trip. cool i like the uh i think my favorite part of graceland itself was the um it was like a racquetball court yeah that they've that they sort of turned into, into the, hall, the, the Hall of Fame the, sort of for him, yeah, yeah. all the all number ones, uh, yeah. and all the number one hits all that he had leading yeah. up to it. And the then, floor to ceiling. Yes, yeah. and then they had like a piano in there too. Yeah. So in my mind, I'm, I'm visioning Elvis because I didn't put all this together. I'm envisioning Elvis uh, playing racquetball in his karate gi and his black belt. Right. And then go like, you know what? I just, like, I just, I just love a really cool song. Let's go sing some gospel, boys. Go sit down around the piano right there. Yeah. Put that racquetball down. I don't know if it's just broken, but forget it. So in my mind, he's always like yeah. multitasking. Sure, he's sure. like playing racquetball one minute and then he's. Well, then it was gospel. Yeah. With the boys like all night. Oh, yeah, Just yeah. singing gospel songs till the wee hours. 
Do, uh, do you have blue car? I mean, uh, not blue car, but Sirius satellite radio. I do, yeah, the Elvis channel. Yeah, do you listen I to that? I have my Gran Torino. It's unbelievable. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's another thing. I should take a picture of your Gran Torino. Oh, yeah, He's yeah. got this Starsky and Hutch uh, mobile. Yeah, it's all that's all on my website too. WallyOnTheWeb.com. WallyOnTheWeb.com. You can check out all of his uh, audio clips, uh, some of his uh, acting reel, your right. all your appearances on different shows oh, and oh, stuff I was like say, that. The best part of Graceland was yes. going into the TV room where Elvis used to have three TVs. Three TVs. Set up. Back when there was only three networks, he would have one on each network, and he'd sit there with a remote and, and go to each TV and watch that for a little while. Yeah. So Elvis was uh, the, the pioneer with picture-in-picture. Picture <laughs> yeah, he was, he literally. Want to watch. He was ADD. He had to be. But when I walked in, they have the TVs on, mm-hmm. and they're running probably DVDs at this point. Yeah. And one of the TVs is running The Tonight Show. With Tony oh, Carson funny. And Ed McMahon. Yeah. And I said to my, my friend Edie, who, who had gone along, I said, hey, there's my predecessor. But it's just like, oh, my gosh. That's Elvis, his TV, is watching on. like he must have watched The Tonight Show yep. at some point. And now at the same I'm, time you were watching now it. now I'm that guy. And now you're that and guy. It's, it's just, it was, I wonder if mind. there is – see, that, that's, that's why I want to get you on camera. So that you, I know you don't want, I know you don't want to, but it's funny. I like to shave and lose weight and cut my hair. Who can be Not necessarily, not in these days. days. Who's got time I think for all that? kinds of looks are acceptable now. Yeah, I don't know if Jay wants a long hair. Maybe not Jay, hair, though, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and I do think it's funny that Jay, and I love Jay, uh, every time, if he's not wearing a suit, he's wearing the denim uniform. Yeah, denim like, He denim. never changes that. Right. He must have a thousand denim t- uh, he does. shirts. I, I've been by the wardrobe room. It's just—it's <laughs> a whole rack. You should of denim switch it up. Maybe have wall. a black denim jeans and then the blue. So you know, that's his thing. That's he his just, thing. That's his signature move. I've heard him tell guests, "I don't want to think about what to put on." <laughs> He's just—he'd rather think right, of, right. of a new joke. He'd rather think of comedy. He said something so brilliant today that was just off the top of his head. Kevin Hart, you know the comedian. Yeah, Kevin I know Hart Kevin Hart. Uh, Betty White was on and Dwight Yoakam was on. Oh, nice. And he, they were standing there doing the promo and Jay just off the top of his head said, tonight it's Black, White, and Dwight. <laughs> <laughs> Black, White, and Dwight. Black, White, and Dwight. I mean, it was it was Kevin Hart, it was Betty White, and it was Dwight Yoakam. That's it funny. Was brilliant. And I asked Patrick Smith, the audio mixer, I said, did he just come up with that or did somebody write that? He said, no, I'm just... Came up he writes a lot of his own jokes. I he mean, does, that's, yeah. He's been doing that for a long time. He stays up till 2 in the morning with Jeff. No matter what you think, I mean, even if you don't like Jay Leno, if you're a Letterman guy, you have to respect Jay Leno's work ethic. Yeah. Because the guy writes his own stuff a lot of yeah. his monologue is him. Oh, sure. I mean, Letterman is just, uh, he's got writers. He yeah. might chime in with yeah. one here and there. But sure. I think Leno's the hardest working writer yeah. that's uh, uh, on TV almost every night. Did So tonight, are they back li- with, with a new show tonight? Back live then? tonight, yeah. The okay. Of okay, good, good, good. Come on, check it out. Like I told you, I'm aficionado. I'm oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be watching no, slash no, listening to, tonight, you, no. to you tonight, It'll actually. Kevin Hart uh, tonight, along with uh, Betty White and Music Black. Black White and Dwight. There you go. And headlines. And headlines. And so. you do that voiceover for that. Too. And headlines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, all right, cool. So let's go check out wallyontheweb.com. Correct. Are you on Facebook, Twitter? Are you doing any no, of that stuff? Uh-uh. Okay. You Most like time. Exactly. <laughs> I do, unfortunately. Um, I always feel like I, no matter what it is, if, if right. it's something that I, I, I could use to promote my appearances, yeah. oh, sure, sure, sure. then I should well, jump for what you I do, do you, on you it. Yeah. absolutely have to do it. Yeah. But I'm, I'm nowhere worried. Although I feel like it. I'm too old to be messing around with it. But then I thought, well, my dad's on there now, which is creepy. Oh, really? On Facebook. Yeah, yeah. My mom's on Facebook. Yeah. My yeah. mom, are you familiar with Facebook at all? Not really. Okay. We Well, my mom's on there a lot, and there's a thing you can do where you you can tag someone in a picture, uh-huh. or you can poke someone. Right. When you poke someone, all it all it is is just, it says Facebook's like so and so poked you. It's literally them going, "Hey, hey, what's up?" 
you forgot about me. Hey, I'm here. Hey, talk to me. Without them writing words. Yeah. That's all it is is a reminder. Yeah. It's the most annoying thing. And my mom annoying, pokes yeah. me a lot yeah, yeah. on Facebook. I start calling her Pokemon because that's all she does <laughs> is poke away. So, uh, Mom, I love you, but you know, you know, you can actually write me or you right, can right. email me or you can call me on you the telephone. You got my number. Call me. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, I don't know. My mom is, uh, loves Facebook quite a bit. And, yeah. Uh, I just don't know. There's a rebellious side of me. It's like, I'm not going to play this game. You don't need it. You well, don't I need just, it. Uh, plus, I got stuff I got to do. I got to maintain this house and my collection. And <laughs> a lot of dusting, I imagine. A lot of dusting. Yeah. You have to go on. And in there's here. only so much I let the maids do. I don't let them really touch the collectibles. They, I let them do Yeah, that. I'd be afraid. You must trust your maid a lot because they, they could easily walk off some. Well, there was a training. Well, I never hear. I never leave them here without me here. Okay. But there was a whole training process when they came in, and I had to you. Uh, that's some. Uh, that yeah. Time. I always found it, even when I stay in hotels, like I'm cool with being in the room while they're there. But some people don't like to be in the room where the maid's cleaning, right? you know, because it's like you're standing over them and you're like, yeah. hey, you missed a spot. You know, there's yeah. something weird about that. I am not – I have no problem with that. I'll sit back in a robe, you know. Or naked. <laughs> Just yeah. sit there, yeah. have a drink. And yeah, you know, yeah. like, hey, hey, get comfortable. So we'll be here. <laughs> uh, how's family? <laughs> exactly. Uh, but, no, I, especially for what you've got going on in here, I wouldn't want to leave them alone with any of this stuff. Yeah, no, it's either me or my assistant here if I'm not here and, you know – it's. I'm not sure that. Um, I know that some of my maids are actually kind of frightened by some of the stuff that's in here. So How, do you have more than one maid? Well, there's. They come in a team of two. Oh, I see. Yeah, so I have a, a company that comes and they they come in a, a team. Nice. Of two. That, that, that way they finish faster. And you've had them for a while. Same yes. people. Yeah. No, I had one uh, lady for a while, and then she quit the maid business and went into. Um, she wanted to learn to be a legal assistant. <laughs> Nice. Made to legal assistant. God bless America. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, that is America right there. That's America. So, uh, but then how long have you had an assistant? I love that. You have an assistant. Oh, I've had an assistant. I've often wondered if I, if I should have one. Well, they are very handy. Uh, what do you, I mean, uh, as, you can tell me later, but do you, uh, do you pay them? Oh, oh yeah. You, I mean, you got to pay them. It's not going to intern, though. Oh, no, no. It's not an intern. No, it's a paid thing. Okay. Otherwise, they're going to. If you have something you, that's really important that you need for them to do mm-hmm. and you're not paying them, you're going to be on the bottom of the list. Yeah. So I like to pay a monthly fee. Mm-hmm. I pay my webmaster a monthly fee so right. I can send him anything, and he has to, has to post it. Um, and I also pay the assistant a monthly fee. I've broken down to basically how many hours I think that she would be working per month, and it's like that monthly, mm-hmm. like an hourly thing versed, uh, based on how many hours per month that she'd be working. Sometimes it's less. Yeah. It's a lot less sometimes. Sometimes it may be more, but that's rare. Okay. So, so it kind of uh, all evens out in the wash. Right, exactly. For example, today, I had to record something here, uh, then get ready to go run some errands, and then go to the Tonight Show. Yeah. But my cat has had this little cough that he's been doing. Oh. So she came and got the cat in the bag, took him to the vet. They already had my credit card on file. And then she could stay at the vet's for about two hours and then didn't cut into my time. Cause, Perfect. You know, well, much like you, time is money. Yeah, and especially what people don't understand in this town, you you know, where I grew up, and probably for you when you were growing up in, in Sioux, not Sioux Falls, but South Dakota, mm-hmm. there's less people. So to go to the grocery store and pick up milk and come right back might only take you 10 minutes. Right. If you have to go get milk at the grocery store here, you're looking at maybe 30, 40 minutes. Yeah, or an hour. With traffic. Yeah. With people in your way, sure. with parking. Yep. I mean, you. there is no such thing as a quick trip. Right. So 
I can totally see the value of having assistant yeah. for stuff like little mundane things like go to the post office, right. go pick this up. Exactly you Exactly know? right. Yeah. And if you sign autograph photos and people email you, please send me a photo. Uh, you, do you sell photos? Do you have like a? No, I don't really sell photos. I do have merchandise on my website that I sell DVDs, CDs, yeah. uh, see that all is taken care of, of by the assistant. Yeah. That's yeah. all done. She sells. When I pull stuff out of my closet, I don't need anymore. Instead yeah. of goodwill, I say just put this up on eBay and keep the money. Yeah. You know, whatever. Um, but yeah, having an assistant is great and valuable, especially when, oh my gosh, NBC just called and I got to go in and record a thing at the tonight show. Uh, but the maids are scheduled to come at two. Can you be at my house and let him in and sit there with him? Fine. Nice. And then she's here. She'll text me and say, the maids just got here. I'll be working there. And then how'd the you find your assistant? Up. Is she one of those hot uh, chicks that you've been hanging out with? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Life's too short for a that's not hot. Of course. <laughs> yes. Ex- Life's too short. I, I, I'm assuming, though, since you're married to a beautiful woman, she's probably not going to want you to have a hot assistant. No, 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 no. I would, if I had got an assistant, it'd probably be a dude. A dude, yeah. Or a girl who's not as hot as my wife. Right, right, exactly. Which yeah. uh, is most women that I've met. Not, not as hot as your wife. Jenta, so. he just gave you a compliment. Yeah. So, uh, holla to Jenta, woo! So, yeah, it's, but it's, it's invaluable. And How did you find it? Seriously, how did you, like, oh. did you look online? or? No, I, was, uh, I had a mailbox down here at the corner, and uh, she was working there, and we became friends. And I said, hey, you know, I, I had an assistant, and she moved on to other stuff. And, um, you know, would you like the job? Here's what it is, and we can work Oh, on, cool. You know, okay, so it wasn't like there's a website of uh, a professional assistant. Well, there or, are. Yeah. Um, but you, that's not what you, you but did. Yeah, this, I'd rather give the money to somebody that I that know you like. a friend and that I trust. I see. Yeah. Okay, cool. Because you just never know. I mean, you could get an assistant that you don't know, and then all of a sudden, hey, that painting used to be there. It's not yeah. there anymore. I but, kind of have an assistant now. She's just a friend of ours who mm-hmm. is down on her luck and just oh. needs some some something to do and some cash then that's and so i've been throwing her bones right left you know that's good well that's what people you know i don't want to get political on the whole thing but uh i i I sense that you're probably in the same kind of ballpark as i am to where um when we're taxed at a higher rate and we have more money going to the government that's less money that we can spend on hiring people exactly i had a really interesting conversation with somebody who because I'm, I'm probably more libertarian than anything, mm-hmm. if you really boil down to it. Okay. But I had a really interesting conversation with a friend of mine who I do a cartoon with, uh-huh. who's very liberal. And I was talking about, oh, I can have my graphics guy do that, or I can have my web guy do that, or I can have my assistant do this, or I'll have my, my, my printer guy or my car guy. He was saying all this? No, no. I, you he were. overhears me saying all oh, this Oh, I see. Stuff. Okay. Yeah. And he says, man, you got to... A car guy, you got a assistant, you got a graphics guy, you got a printing guy, you got a camera guy, you got a you got a lot of a lot of guys. I'm like, well, that's how the trickle down economy works, works right? Basically, yeah. I, they pay me the money to do these cartoons, right? And in turn, I pay assistants and plumbers, sure, and and graphics guys and web guys, yep. to to do the stuff that I need to have done. That's kind of how it works. He's like, oh. And I didn't want to get too far into it, but it's like, yeah. And if the government takes more of my money away to throw away on foolish stuff, then I will have to cut back on those I people. Have to pay. Mm-hmm. So, no, it makes sense. Know, it makes sense. It makes yeah. well, it makes absolute sense, and yeah. it's totally logical. Right. And there's just no logic in this day and age of, right. of anybody. Think everybody th- likes to think emotionally. Yeah. But they, it's like Spock. If Spock was running for president, I would vote for him in a second <laughs> because he's it takes takes all the emotion. He would out be of him. probably What's the best. The logical thing to do in this situation. Well, yeah. the logical thing is not to spend more money than you have coming in. Exactly. You can't do it. I can't do it. 
doesn't so work. It doesn't work. It doesn't last long. Yeah. And, you know, you think that, okay, I'm given this amount of money and I have these things that need to be done at my house. Well, oh, if you're going to take this much money, that's less money I can spend on my contractor mm-hmm. to, to remodel my bathroom. Yeah, or, I liked it better when you get a lot of money and you get to dictate how to yeah. uh, give that money away, spend it. Yeah. Uh, instead of when the government takes it from you, then you have no say in where that exactly is actually right. going. And, and God knows they are not better at figuring out ways to spend it than we are. It's like we they don't trust money. you to do the right thing. Right. Well, they don't. They think we're absolute idiots. <laughs> yeah. And I, 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 I take affront to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm offended by that, is that I know how to spend my money better than some stupid government because they have not proven that they can run anything. Even a lemonade stand yes. would, go, would go belly up under no, those No, you're guys. preaching to the choir, yeah. brother. The, the Postal Service, uh, Medicare's broke, Social Security's broke. Uh, all this yeah. stuff is broke, and they want to continue to run now our health care and everything else. And it's like danger, folks. I mean, I, I do love living here, but we are in one of the worst. Oh, California is awful. States in the country. As a matter of fact, <laughs> it's a really veteran bad. character actress who's been here for many years and is very well known, her and her husband, who's a venture capitalist, I just found out last night, yeah. have picked up and moved to Nevada. They're I am no not. Longer. I would not be surprised if that w- yeah. was a trend that started catching on. Yep. Like it, it kind of already is. Yeah. But like I could totally see one day, maybe ten years from now, tons of uh, successful actors, artists leaving this town and yeah. finding a new Hollywood. Sure. Uh, whether it be somewhere like Texas. D- Denver, Texas. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any other state in yeah. California, yeah. it could work. But well, everyone's got to get on board and sure. do it together. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, they just. Got sick of all the tomfoolery that's going on yeah. in the state. I mean, they keep doing all the wrong stuff and yeah. and keep thinking that it's okay. And now our Congress, uh, after all the fiscal cliff uh, nonsense that we just had, just voted themselves a pay raise. Yeah. So it's like, are you guys Shocker. joking? Are you joking I with know. this? It's a, it's a, it's insulting. Yeah. So I'm not even I'm not even into like politics that much, and even I know. Yeah. That this is well, you have a logical mind, and yeah. nobody has any sort of logical mind who's clearly in control of this country. Exactly. And that's my thing. Is just use some logic and some common sense. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I didn't really want to get political, but it is. Yeah. It is it's hard not to. Yeah, it's hard not to. It's just frustrating to to be like you and I, who are moderately successful. We're not Matthew McConaughey, right? But we're not uh, Joe Schmo uh, ditch digger, right? Thank you, Jesus. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, not that there's anything wrong with that. Right. But we are. We've done our fair share. We've ditch done digging. our fair share, and we've done lots of work to get here. Nobody handed us anything, right? But now our success is looked at as we're the bad guy. I don't understand when people say you guys need to pay your fair share when we're paying more than anyone else. Well. The top 1% of, of, of earners mm-hmm. are paying 70% yeah. of all the taxes. How's that so not their fair share? How's that not their fair share? I don't get that at all. I don't all. get that at all. I don't think people know that. Yeah. I don't think they realize that that's what's going on. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think now with this new year, the Social Security taxes are going up, and there are some taxes with Obamacare or anything that are going up, and people all the way from the bottom all the way to the top are going to see their checks smaller mm-hmm. because of all this stuff. I, I was kind of hoping we'd go over the fiscal cliff just because once we're no longer suffering something as a class of people, but mm-hmm. we're now we're suffering it as United Americans. Right. And now the, do, the $7 an hour wage earner up to the multimillionaire are all seeing taxes. Now we're all affected by it. Mm-hmm. And now as not as classes of people, now Masses as of people. United <laughs> Americans, we can mm-hmm. all say – Hey, wait a minute, Washington. What are you doing? This is not 
you're taxing all of us, and this is not good. That's why I wish we all could share the burden a little more because when it's divided half and half, mm-hmm. one half is always going to say no, the other half is always going to yeah. say yes. But once we're united Americans all facing the same kind of burden, then things will, will change. I'm going to play uh, I'm Proud to Be an American under this in right. edi- <laughs> editing. You're going to yeah, hear like exactly, right, a right. national anthem or a little Lee so, Greenwood. maybe that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Wally, it's been a I pleasure. Want to stand up. <laughs> <laughs> Next to you and defend her still today. <laughs> As we uh, sit next to my right, American flag, flag pillow. That's right. Yeah. Um, uh, by the way, I'm loving this pillow. Where did you get this? Uh, it was a Christmas gift by a friend of mine who's a policeman who's very that uh, funny. Is, He's got a great it, sense I'll of take humor. a picture of this as well. This is Wally. It's a pillow of Wally's face. It's very odd. On a pillow. It's very strange. And it's exactly the I same. Almost, almost actual size. <laughs> yeah. To your actual. Yeah, it's pretty much, <laughs> it's pretty much. actual size. Um, I I, that, I think that would be a great sort of uh, you know, invention for uh, you know women or wives whose husbands are gone a lot. Right. You could make a you know like a pillow, like a life size pillow, sure, of like a body. Right. But it's all a pillow. Right. But then have like that as the face. That is the face. There right. you go. And they could cuddle up with it at night. When make you're gone. that. Yeah. Maybe that'll be on the website one day. Maybe right. we'll have Heffernan Reed pillow. Yeah. yeah get get your pillows. John Reed pillow right now. <laughs> Makes you um, jealous. Well, I want to say thank you, thank you so much for letting me in your home and do this sure. podcast with you while you're a great guy. Let's take some pictures. Uh, we're going to take some pictures, and folks, you, like I said, you can get all this at heffernandreap.com. Please uh, go on our website uh, pretty soon. You can also leave us a voicemail. That's right. Well, if you know that, you go to heffernandreap.com. You can click on the voicemail tab. Talk to your computer. It sends us a voicemail. If it's funny, if it's cool, if it's interesting, we'll add it to the show. We'll talk about you. We'll give you a shout-out. Uh, and, and, you know, thank you for being a listener and all that stuff. And also, go to iTunes. Check out our iTunes page. Rate, review us. That helps us get rankings and, uh, you know, helps us keep the uh, the lights on. So thanks again, Wally. You're We're going to take some John. pictures now, and uh, we'll see you next time. See Bye, you That's right. Since you love the Heffron and Reap show, please go to iTunes and let them know. Rank the show and leave a comment. We don't care what you write, you know. They, Heffron and Reap, have low self-esteem. So please validate them by ranking them and making them seen. So no matter what you do, Heffron and Reap.com for tour dates and great links. Hey, did you get that? It's Heffron and Reap.com. Go there now. Now. now.